to episode 29 of Realm and Ruin, a Warhammer podcast. A podcast that is so Warhammer that some say we are the ninth mortal realm. Mm. Mm. <laughs> I'm your host, Matt, and joining me as always, a guy so knowledgeable that Teclas asks him for advice. It's Cameron. <laughs> How you doing, mate? I'm doing really well, thank you. Uh, the weather's gotten, I would say, distinctly British over the last couple of days, and I'm not Ooh. honestly going to complain, uh, because... I've been <laughs> it cools di- you down, I've been, then I take yeah, it. Yeah, I've been dying for a bit of rain, uh, and here it is all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're copying you at the moment, because it's mm. been absolutely chucking it down here, uh, so the, you know... Ducks are loving it, which mm. actually I remember hearing once that ducks aren't really into water, which sounds a bit of a weird sentence, oh, okay. but mm. yeah, they're all, they're, they're not into rain. You know, there's this sort of common ah, misconception, yeah. Yeah. but hey, we're here to pick some fruit from the Warhammer tree, yes. not talk about ducks. Yes. <laughs> Two ducks back into the contrast lake with you, we'll talk with you later. <laughs> or a uh, lake of wine, you know, something mm. like that, mm. something we're going to probably be talking about later. Oh, yeah. We talk about Slanesh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but yeah, episode mm. 29, we are yeah. edging ever closer to 30, <laughs> the big 3 0. Mm. But uh, before we get to 3 0, what are we going to do in 2 9? Well, we'll uh, talk about our hobby stuff, what we've been up to lately. Uh, then we'll get into the news. Luckily, there's been a couple of events since we last recorded, so we got a few. Mm tender little warhammer morsels and especially books to talk about predominantly yeah. mm. uh then <laughs> we've got our main law topic and finally the head of knights of slanesh yeah. are coming to realm and ruin we yeah. promised it for a while <laughs> we're going to talk about the head of knights of slanesh battle tome as our main law topic today very exciting indeed and then at the end we'll have a short little discussion topic where basically we're gonna say should the imperium do right by the people or what is needed for humanity to survive Mm. thought provoking as always that's what people say well maybe they don't but i hope they say that oh Oh, that's gonna be one of those shows isn't it Mm, absolutely uh so before we get stuck into it uh if you enjoy the show uh we have a facility to give us a review on iTunes. It's out there. Apple have given us this lovely <laughs> platform for you to put a review on there. And like I said, if you enjoy what we do, a five-star review is greatly appreciated. Uh, if you don't want to do that or can't do that, then just share what we do. If you want to, you know, get the word out there on, you know, Facebook or Twitter or all the other social media stuff out there that the cool kids are into. Um, you know, talking to Twitter, we're on there at Realm and Ruin, or you can find us on Facebook at Realm and Ruin as well. Uh, if you want to support us, we've got a coffee page. Uh, the link will be down in the description. But again, that's always purely optional. Um, you can also contact us directly if you go to our website at realmandruin.com slash contact. If there's something you want us to cover in the future or, you know, anything like that, you know, hit us up mm-hmm. again. That's another phrase that people say, don't they? Yeah, hit yeah. us up. You know, wow. come on. I've never, that's probably the first time I've said that. And I feel very old (laughs) by saying that as well. (laughs) uh, But I'll tell you what isn't old is fresh and great is our lovely discord server if you want to come and join us and talk about warhammer with all the other warhammer fans then come along it's free you know Mm. no no charge at all come down uh link will be down in the description if you want to join us on that um 
I'm talking to Discord. Uh, something we've been doing for a little while now. Mm-hmm. We are yeah. uh, taking a question from our Discord server because, like I said, if you join it, you can come along and ask us a question. It can be Warhammer-related. It doesn't have to be as such. You can just you know, get to know us. You know, If you've been on this journey with us for the last yeah. year or so, you're thinking, hey, guys, I feel like I want to know, <laughs> know you better. So I'll ask, <laughs> so ask us a question. So today's question comes from a uh, pillar of our community, Sigmund Frude. And uh, mm-hmm. basically says, so I know you're a Warhammer podcast. Um, that's how we describe ourselves when we uh, yeah, talk to people. Yeah. We go, I am Warhammer podcast. Yeah, um, it's a personality trait. <laughs> <laughs> it's on that CV. Uh, so <laughs> I know you're a Warhammer podcast, but uh, have you ever thought about expanding out to talk about other stuff so you don't burn out on the property? Um, so I went back to him and said, for, what, for mm-hmm. clarity, do you mean like non-Warhammer podcasts? Uh, he said, or he, well, he said, or talking about non-Warhammer gaming stuff you're into. Mm. So, um, Cameron, take it away. What's your uh, thoughts on that? Let me think. So, my personal view is there's probably enough to do with Warhammer that we're probably never going to quite run out of things to talk about. Like we've we've hit <laughs> we've hit a lot of big points in like our law discussions and the like over time, but. The times they are changing, there's always new interesting things being written. There's so many good Black Library books, there's so many great battle tomes, there's so many interesting ideas and dilemmas to be discussed in both the model realms and the grim, dark 41st millennium. But, you know, I, I, if the people demand it, I'm not averse to chatting about something else. Uh, I think the problem is it probably have to be something that we both do, and I'm not 100% sure on what else in the sort of the realm of tabletop slash wargaming we both would actually do uh i mean i know i dabbled in war machine and hordes for a bit i dabbled in malifaux for a bit uh and of course i dabble quote marks in D all the time but <laughs> i'm not quite sure what's going on on uh, your end of the pond with regards to that yeah i know i know what you mean i i suppose i'm in sort of the same boat really that i sort of think that from a warm perspective they're constantly throwing stuff out at us, you know, so I don't think we're ever going to run out. I mean, I suppose there's two things is you can either run out of literally things to talk about, or you can run out of, I suppose, energy for it, yeah. which I suppose is a, yeah. is a different thing. Um, on the first one, we're not going to run out of stuff to talk about, <laughs> either, you know, whether it's new or, or from a historical point of view, there's so much stuff mm. out there, mm. you know, because ultimately if, you know, say from a AOS point of view that we were like, well, we've covered most things now at the moment, because obviously things are happening as we speak, yeah. then there's the whole Warhammer fancy, the whole, you know, oh, yeah, old world absolutely. side of things that we could, we could get stuck into. And we sort of have mm. at times anyway. Yeah. And obviously from a 40 K perspective, there's so much history <laughs> that that's again, not going to be a thing. Um, again from an energy point of view um i would hope not i mean we Mm. love this hobby we love what we do so i don't feel a need to talk about other sort of gaming sort of non-warhammer gaming stuff um Mm. or if it or sorry let me roll that back i think i would but on another show potentially um i wouldn't i wouldn't want to take us away from warhammer you know, I wouldn't want us to become a tabletop gaming podcast because I don't. I don't think we're. Well, speaking for both of us, I, I'm, <laughs> I don't think we're into all the other war gaming side of things to to have much to contribute. If you would say, you know, I think that I don't. I don't. I'm not into any other war gaming as such. I, I you know, I see 
what's out there, yeah. but I'm not yeah. into it, so I wouldn't be able to really comment. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm more into like video games and card games, so yeah, yeah there exactly. would there would be things that I would do, but <laughs> then that would, I would do it again as a separate show, and maybe yeah, yeah. you know the, oh, you know yeah. it's something you know we yeah. I'm sort of technically a host on a video game podcast, and obviously <laughs> yourself has been on it quite a few times as well cameron mm. so yeah there's that um would i do a card game one potentially I mean, but i you know would you do show. yeah <laughs> exactly yeah key, i'll get into keyforge for that I don't yeah care. we could do, you know I, I i'll be honest actually the one the one thing i have sort of thought about doing but again it's one of those is it ever going to happen because of time and things like that yeah is yeah. i would like to do a card game podcast but sort of start from the beginning like as in rather mm. than being an expert and or a, a, you know whatever you want to be classed as and and then do a show about it and you go and this is what you should do it's more the other way around where you're learning mm. as you go so you're okay, yeah. you're a no, you're a noob a bit you know a yeah, bit like yeah. potentially your listeners so you're learning from the and you're sort of going mm. oh yeah you know i've learned this and so rather than being an expert you're you're sort of quite the opposite so that'd be something i'd quite like yeah. to do but again cool. whether it Heather will happen I don't know you know I think Mm. if you know we always complain about time and I think to be honest this show takes up a lot of our time (laughs) (laughs) you know every couple of weeks that we record it's Mm. you know it it, a lot of time and hopefully it shows but (laughs) a lot of time does go into this show because it's not just obviously the three or so hours that we record it's obviously the editing it's all the promotion mm. online it's obviously mm. keeping the social media going but yeah. then on the probably the most time consuming thing is obviously actually researching or preparing ourselves for each oh, show yeah. you know reading the yeah. books reading the you know the news and getting it all ready so a lot of time goes into it and i think you know unless our lives change and you know we win that lottery that oh. you know <laughs> that, uh, uh, you know things have changed you know but who knows who knows mm, yeah we'll yeah. never say never but no. we're pretty happy where we're at for now i'd say <laughs> yeah and uh, and to be honest we you know being part of a sort of the podcast scene out there there is actually people that we know um that where they're almost got more podcasts than you can believe that they can handle you know there's oh some people God. where they they're they're literally jeremy. part of like 10 different like <laughs> jeremy yeah you know, jeremy greer for example is a perfect example that we've sort of uh, have connections to and he's just again started another podcast he's probably in double figures now and oh yeah fair play I to him believe it. <laughs> you know i don't you know when you're trying to work and you know uh, and everything like, like that i I know, I know he has an actual job as well, like an actual human job that he has to do. I think he sells water plants or something. But mm. like, how does he do an actual human job with all these podcasts? I don't know. Cause it's, you got, <laughs> like I said, you got all the, all the time to record them, all the editing, but then it's actually knowing about that many things. Mm. You know, yeah. I know we, you know, we, most people have got a few subjects you can talk about, but I don't know if I'm, I could, he must be that of a sponge of information to be able to talk mm. about 10 different topics oh, as yeah. well as each other. I mean, fair play to him. <laughs> I, I struggle with just uh, Warhammer. <laughs> I see him as Neo from the Matrix, you know, yeah. they get Supernatural Season 10 <laughs> yeah. and they just plug the chip in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't, that wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> so, yeah. But no, that's a, that's a really cool question. Thank you very much, sir, mm. for sending that in. Um, right. Let's get into the hobby stuff because... We've been doing a few bits and bobs from what I can see. Um, I think Cameron is going to start with uh, the the hot take of the moment. Yeah. Tell me yeah. about Contrast, sir. So, 
Contrast comes out next week, everyone. Yay, woo, cool. Uh, <laughs> I didn't think I was going to get a chance to try it before it released, and I was going to have to rely on the wonderful testimonials from all of my friends. Uh, the people on the Discord, you're all my friends, trust me. Uh, <laughs> but it turns out, uh, my local games workshop, and I guess presumably every actual games workshop store is doing a contrast demo this weekend, uh, where I, I walked in at 9.30am and there was a table with two of every kind of paint and a ton of Primaris Marines and a ton of Fox Walkers all sprayed up. And they said, go to town, experiment. Uh, <laughs> There was, there was one, there was one caveat, which was we weren't allowed to take the models home because they're going to be displayed in the store to show what contrast can do, which I'm a little sad about, but, <coughs> uh, I think, I think it's probably a good idea and I'll see if I can't sneak my ones back in a week or two when they're maybe no longer needed for display purposes. <laughs> um, <coughs> so I started out with a pox walker that was co- coated with the wraithbone spray, the sort of creamy, oh, me, warm spray. Uh, and I kind of, this was more messing around to get a feel for how contrast moved, how it blended with other paints, uh, other contrast paints, I should say, that kind of thing. Uh, so, you know, I did like a plague bearer flesh first, that sort of green rotten flesh tone. And then I put some red over it and tried to blend them together. And it looked like complete garbage on the front. Uh, but the blending worked a little better across the back of the model. And I think it actually looked really good. Uh, God, it was a... Pete the Wargamer or something did a, a ghoul arch regent uh, yeah. in contrast. And it was kind of that same effect on the back where it was the red over the underlying flesh tone. And because it's transparent, you can see the colors through each layer and that kind of thing. It adds that depth to it, which is really cool. Uh, but mostly it was to get a feel for how contrast works. And contrast is super easy to apply. Uh, you just plop it on and there's all that color and it dries nice and thin no matter how much you plop on, which is... Still really weird to me, uh, how it works like that. <laughs> uh, and then, then I got ambitious, uh, cause Uh-oh. everyone was messing around just trying colors out. Like there was a, uh, what was his name? I think it's Chris sitting me. I don't remember your name off the top of my head. Sorry, mate. Uh, and he just took a Primaris Marine and tried literally half the colors on a Primaris Marine, then got a Pox Walker and tried literally half the other half of the colors on the pox walkers. Like, I just want to see what every color is exactly when it's laid out. That's perfectly valid. But I went, I want to try and make an actual model that I would be happy with. And over the course of, I'm going to say 15 to 20 minutes of actual painting in about 10 minutes, maybe 15 minutes of drying time. I painted a howling Griffin and it's one of the best <laughs> things I've ever painted. And I'm very emotional <laughs> about that because it feels wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but it feels so right at the same time. Oh, but it feels so right. It is it is mind-blowing to me how easy this makes what I would consider traditionally difficult colors, like strong yellows uh, and good deep reds have been traditionally ridiculously difficult for me. Uh, I know there are mm-hmm. some people out there who are insanely good at doing those things. Those are the, pe- those are the brave people who own Crimson... Uh, not Crimson Fists, uh, Imperial Fists armies and Blood Angels armies and things like that. I went, you know, maybe one day. But now, I'm sitting, you know, I was sitting there with, and it was also an experiment in brush control, you know, how neatly does contrast sit next to other contrasts without trying to blend across the line. And apparently it works perfectly fine. Uh, is all I'll say there. Um, and it looks in- incredibly good. Uh, if you follow us on Twitter, you've almost definitely already seen it. Uh, if you, if you <laughs> follow the local games workshop store on Facebook, I know you've seen it because everyone freaked out and the manager posted that as the example for, of contrast for the day. So yay me. Um, <laughs> oh, claim to fame, sir. 
Well, uh, I mean, the thing is, like, a Howling Griffin, uh, for those who don't know, it's check, uh, it's quartered, uh, red and yellow livery on the power armor, uh, which is traditionally very difficult to do <laughs> because you gotta do yep. a good red, you gotta do a good yellow, and you gotta do them in relatively small areas without accidentally blending them across each other and stuff. And it was, it was so simple. It was so stupidly simple. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm still, I'm still not quite in belief about it. Um, but it was really good. All, all I would suggest is for power armor and like flat surfaces in particular, as it dries, you've got to keep watching it because it will consistently try to pull. And as long as you keep moving it around, it will dry fairly uniform without any big clumps of color in one place, which is what you want. Um, and yeah, it was just, it was, I just sat down there and I painted a howling griffin. And then, you know, an hour later, I went back and did some touch-ups. Like I colored in the winged skull on the breastplate with the, uh, base pot of the wraithbone primer, put a skeleton horde over it to sort of help break up the chest. Cause initially I just painted big blob of red, big blob of yellow, big blob of yellow, big blob of red. Uh, I did the face and honestly of, all the bits in the model, I think doing the face is what really sold me on contrast because mm. it's the unhelmeted head, uh, and it's just the, it's the dude with the little crew cut. He's got like the thing around his jaw, like the microphone around his jaw or whatever. And, uh, I just put a blob of Gilliman flesh on the face and the face was painted. I barely moved the paint at all. <laughs> like it flowed perfectly. It pulled just above his eyebrows and just around his eyes to really help define his brow again the same thing and then it looked super dark at first and then it dried really thin with a nice sort of mid flesh tone and it looked incredible uh i did his hair with a single coat of wildwood which uh if you're only getting a few tones out of the contrast range i would suggest wildwood because it's a really deep well covering brown it's got like a little bit of red or purple or green sort of tint deep in the depths. It seems to change a little whenever I look at it again. So it may just be my eyes messing up. Uh, but that's a really solid dark color. Uh, so if you're looking for a good solid base like that, I would go with that. Um, and then, you know, messed around with black Templar and Basilicanum gray for like the belt buckle and things like that. Snake bite leather. Uh, I remember when snake bite leather was an actual paint and it was really good back then. <laughs> And now it's back, and it's really, really good. Um, <laughs> like, uh, like I said, there's lots of experimentation done today. Uh, this, the Howling Griffin was not the end of it. Uh, we actually got some Primaris Marines and sprayed them lead belcher. Uh, and everyone is now legally forced to do an Alpha Legion army. Uh, <laughs> because it turns out a lead belcher spray with a single solid coat of Pterodon Turquoise over the top is perfect Alpha Legion colors. Like, it, it is, is a... It is a dull, deep green metal, and it's stupidly perfect. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it was it, it was a it was a fun thing to do because me and a bunch of other people sitting around the table messing around with the paints, and every now and again you just hear "God damn it!" <laughs> <laughs> and That's someone would like hold up a marine. Fest. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I heard it, and I turned around like, "What's the matter?" And uh, my buddy Jackson was just holding up a perfectly painted salamander, like the perfect <laughs> green color. It's like. I didn't even want to do a salamander's army, and now I might have to. I was like, ah, oh. um, it, it was a lot of fun to mess around with the colors. Uh, what I really like is not just how easy it makes painting, but I really want to see how it will blend with other techniques. I didn't get the chance to do any dry brushing or any edge highlighting or anything with it, but I think those techniques will work really well with it. Yeah. And I really like how inspirational some of the colors are. Like there is this, 
There is this beautiful, clear, bright blue called Talisar Blue, I believe. Uh, and I actually used it on the helmet uh, hanging off my Primaris Marine's hip. Uh, and it is the most beautiful blue I've ever seen. Yeah, <laughs> and it I makes me want to do it. makes me want to do Zinch demons. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I want to do a bunch of blue horrors uh, in that in that exact color because that color is ridiculously just beautiful to look at. I feel like <laughs> I would not get tired of painting things like that. Uh, mm-hmm. Is the idea? Um, yeah, there, there's so much, there's such a range of things as well. Like, I, I tried maybe a quarter of the different colors on offer. Like, there were so many things I didn't even touch. <laughs> and I ended up painting two Marines and two Poxwalkers, and I barely touched most of the range. And it was, it was so incredibly cool. Uh, they take a little while to dry compared to standard paints, obviously, but not that long compared to shades. Uh, God, they're so good. It's ridiculous. <laughs> Cause it's just, I think for me, it is that, that thing they've been pushing is, you know, these are super pigmented, and yeah, it is. I put a single layer of Flesh Terror's red down on the Primaris Marine's leg, and it looked perfect. This perfect, deep, bold red. And then as it dried, it just stayed like that. And it was amazing. And then I did the same with Iandin Yellow on the other leg, and this perfect, deep, bold yellow with an orange base. And it was beautiful. You know, someone did Nasdrag Yellow, which is sort of more of a brown base. Uh, also, for metallics in general... If you want beaten up brass, you do a lead belcher base coat with a Nasdrag yellow overshade and it makes this beautiful old busted sort of brass or gold look. And then if you want bronze, like for the Minotaurs chapter, uh, do a lead belcher base coat and then snakebite leather. And it is this beautiful, deep, reddy, browny bronze. And it is so good. (laughs) Like, (laughs) just the number of potential projects this has opened up. (laughs) I'm never going to do It's scary, isn't it? But it's so cool. I'm, I'm just looking forward to getting these and, you know, me- messing with the flesh tones for my Death Guard. You know, mm. it it's not going to be a massive change in efficiency over my already fairly efficient method of just dunk the entire model in Reichland flesh shade. Um, but, <laughs> <laughs> but I think it'll be fun to mess around with and it might be a little smoother in the actual flat armor panel areas, which I think would be nice because I can always go back in and add weathering. Uh, yeah, and goo true. and sweat and horrible, gross stuff, which is the standard with Death Guard. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, it, it was really an experience, and I will be picking up a few pots next weekend because, yeah, look at that, look at that stuff. It's so good. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's so damn impressive. I, I must admit, mm. when uh, that one the, going when you were talking about the metallics, there, like I said at Warmerfest, I think one of the, the nicest things I saw was the the mm. Heresy Emperor's Children that were done there. Yeah. I said it was Lead Belcher and, and then the purple, the sort of darker purple out mm. of the two mm. that was put over it, and it looks it looks fantastic. It me, I think metallics or the that method is severely mm. underrated. I think oh, that's yeah. the one thing that you know people are looking obviously at the new you know, the upcoming primers and thinking, oh, which one should I go for? Don't rule out metallics. Obviously, it depends, obviously, what you're trying to do. Yeah. But definitely don't rule that out because they look absolutely fantastic. And oh, yeah. it, it, is, it is a weird experience. And I think for people listening that have obviously at this point haven't tried it and obviously will do, it is a weird experience. Like Cameron said, you're, mm. you're putting a load of it on thickly, but then it starts pooling into areas. And like I said, the key thing is, is, is keep keep it moving you know obviously let it mm. pull where you want it to pull but then obviously don't like keep moving it around yeah, um yeah. and you know you will get that smooth sort of uh, finish um i did see a video that is sort of doing the rounds i don't know if you've seen it have you seen the one where mm. um a guy's done it on a rhino tank yeah, and, seen, yeah. and that and that sort of 
highlights almost the opposite where he's basically doing the side with a brush um he sort of does, from memory he does it sort of left to right and then he does yeah. up it does another layer you know up and down and then yeah. he was sort of saying it probably need a third and a fourth layer so if you're thinking mm-hmm. about using contrast paints on stuff like rhino tanks you know with very smooth sort of panels and things like that it it's not ideal it doesn't mean you yeah. won't you'll do a terrible job it's just mm. You know, think what model you're using on first. Yeah, the thing you need to learn. He he actually did a follow-up video to that, (laughs) believe it or not, where he painted the other side of the rhino. And after putting it on with a brush, he got a piece of like uh, foam, like carry case foam, and used that to dab away the brush strokes while maintaining the paint coverage. And it gave it almost like an actual painted-on texture that I think would probably be really good for like. I don't know if it's perfect for like an, you know, a beautiful Imperial or Eldar vehicle or something like that, but for like an orc looted vehicle, like that sort of daubed on rough actual painted texture, I think would be really good. Mm. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just disguising the fact that it was paint, it was painted with a brush that to scale would be like 30 feet long. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, yeah, so it, it like Cameron was saying, it is damn impressive, you know, what oh, yeah. you can do with it, and it's the the results, and and also one thing I think that amuses me is like you were saying, the fact that it's now highlighting projects that yourself or other people may be interested mm. in getting into now, and that's the thing you think again, Games Workshop probably rubbing their hands now, going yes, <laughs> <laughs> now people are gonna because people now realistically are probably going to potentially tackle those projects oh, that yeah. they were net were either too intimidated to or didn't have the time to but i said if you can knock these things out you know very quickly i mean i can't wait to see for example again go back to the metallics thing what people do like with custodies and things like that i think mm. again put lead belcher mm. on and again you know if you want to do a gold that's fair enough but you know if you want to do a different color you'll you'll see you know those sort of things where like, you know, if you look at a standard custodian where they've got uh, an immense amount of detail in their armor, but the, the yeah. good thing is with custodies is you don't need to pick out too much. You can almost paint it one color. <laughs> like, you know, mm-hmm. you do just paint it gold and go, and then obviously give it a wash over for what you would do traditionally. Yeah. You know, yeah. again, I think you'll see some really quirky and really interesting, you know, r- mm-hmm. results mm-hmm. and projects out there, which I oh, can't yeah. wait to see. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, w- I would caution people though. Get rid of your dang mold lines because this is basically painting with nothing but washes. So it will show them up a bit. Yes. Not as badly as a normal wash, I would say, because it doesn't quite cling to mold lines like I find normal washes do, but they do stand out fairly well because I just saw one on the Howling Griffin picture I took and now I'm mad. <laughs> <laughs> Even Never though, you know, it's one of like one of like 50 Space Marines assembled over the course of 10 minutes or something for this, probably. <laughs> exactly. But, you know. <laughs> cool. Have you yeah. been any, doing anything else? Uh, yeah, I've been doing little, little bits and bobs here and there. Uh, I've still been pretty busy <laughs> running around. So the problem is, like, most of my hobby stuff is here at my parents' place. And then most of my time currently is over there at my actual place now. Uh, but <laughs> get, I'm getting bits done here and there. Uh, I continue to paint the Vampire Lord on Zombie Dragon. Uh, the wing membranes I'm going to call done for now. Like, they're looking pretty good. They're a nice deep red with good shading, sort of purpley red. Uh, and I've started on the, like, strips of decaying flesh and stuff like that. Always fun. Ooh. Um, <laughs> and I've, I've <laughs> actually, I'm going to use contrast for these, but I'm getting them ready for contrast. And I'm going to do it by, I've done, I've done, uh, Evil Sun Scarlet. So that very bright red or slash somewhat dark orange. Cause it, it's really more of an orange than a red and use that as a base coat. 
And then what I think I'm going to do next week, I'm going to pick up a pot of the Flesh Terrors Red and put the contrast over that. And so it will still, it'll be a more redder at the tips and a little more orangey, uh, but it'll still get that nice, deep, dark red that is the Flesh Terrors Red overall out of it. So we'll, I'll, I'll post pictures when that's done because I'm actually pretty interested how that'll pan out and that'll be my first sort of real experiment with contrast is how does contrast look over a light base coat of a different color like you know could i could i put purple contrast over a very light blue base coat for example how would that look that's the kind of Mm -hmm. stuff i want to find out and experiment with uh i also painted all the armor of the vampire lord himself on the zombie dragon uh i did him incubi darkness i think brain is that right? Thinking back? <laughs> yes. Because uh, <laughs> I was like, it didn't seem so dark, but I was like, oh, wait, of course, I sprayed him white. That's why it looked nice and bright, actually. <laughs> so I, I did an Incubi Darkness with a Druchi Violet Wash, which I'm pretty happy with as sort of this almost organic-looking uh, color to the armor, like almost beetle shelly, but it's still very clearly armor. And, God, that model's just a lot of fun. Like I know it's somewhat of an older kit, but it's such an awesome awesome model like <laughs> yeah. as much as i complain about having it all pre-assembled except for the vampire lord who i can pull on and off it's so cool there's so many cool little details that i can't reach with my brush uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh but it's a lot of fun and he's getting closer to being done which is good because i'm probably going to need him in a few sessions time for dnd yeah uh, fortunately we only play like once every three weeks at this point so i've probably got a couple of months still before i have to pull them out uh <laughs> and then still but, do it last minute <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah you know me it'll never be done until it has to be on the table uh and um i was bored at home last night didn't really have much to do uh and i remembered i still have half a soul wars box sitting in my back cupboard uh, mm. and so i went and i pulled that out and i started assembling some stormcast eternals of the sacrosanct chamber uh but uh, I don't, I know contrast is cool and everything. I didn't know that last night. You know, I wasn't aware how cool contrast was last night. All I had to go on Your was eyes the testimony have been the internet. My eyes have been open. And so I went, you know what is cool though? And you know, what's really been embraced by Games Workshop right now is the idea of concept armies. Do you follow the Warhammer TV YouTube channel? Uh, I do, yes. Yeah, you know how they've been putting out all those videos recently about what they call concept armies? So armies yeah, where like the entire... lava and ghosts yeah, and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And stone statues. Mm. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, I've just basically built, uh, what is that? Built a knight and cantor, a couple more evocators, a few sequiturs, and I've been just clipping and shaving and biting at, well, with a knife, not with my actual teeth, um, <laughs> at them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, to sort of beat them up and make them look like falling apart statuary. And I'm going to try for a stone cast army uh, at some Lovely. point. It's not going to be anything big, but I mean, I was already kind of thinking about it because I kept seeing it everywhere. It was super cool. And then I did the, when I, whenever I painted the Bale Wind Vortex, like last year, forever ago. Um, <laughs> I think I mentioned then that I might try do a stone cast or something. Yeah, I think you army. did. Yeah. And, you know, now I'm back here. I'm like, yeah, no, actually, even Games Workshop's going for it. The idea's getting stale. I've got to get in there sooner or later. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, so um, it'll basically be the stuff from Soul Wars plus a couple extra models for now. But yeah. I'm interested to see how it goes. And I've got to work out a suitable general 
uh, to actually be painted like a normal living thing to be animating <laughs> all this statuary. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. But, you know, it's sometimes it's fun to not care too much about how a model looks. Like, as long as I get the mold lines off, I can bust those things up however I, what I, however I want. You know, oh, the clippers yeah. went too far one side. Ah, it's just, it's just, uh, just personality. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a story. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. Like, um, what is it? Like, uh, I've got the Sequitors with the grand maces, like the big two-handed Watsons. Yep. Yeah, it was one of them. I just clipped out the middle part of the shaft of that, so he's got a bit in either hand, and like, it looks dumb if he was an actual sequitor, but now he's going to be a statue walking around, and ain't no one going to laugh at that. <laughs> and he resisted the urge to give him nunchucks. Yeah, I resisted the urge to give <laughs> him nunchucks. a little chain in between. <laughs> oh, that's tempting. I might do that now. <laughs> you give me one good Stormcast. <laughs> and actually, for the um for the knight in Cantor, which is the one from Soul Wars, you know, she's got the vial in one hand and the staff in the other. She's kind of holding yep. both arms up with the head pointing up. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I clipped that head out. Uh, and <laughs> not not for, like, a headless statue thing. I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to model, like, a jet of energy beaming out of her torso or something like that, like, straight mm-hmm. upwards. And have it as, like, yeah, this is one of the really magic statues. It's doing a big... Doing a big storm thing. Because actually, I think Knight in Cantor's <laughs> spell is a big area of effect storm, if I remember correctly. Yeah, something like something that. Something like that. Yep. Yeah. Mm. But, you know, it's it's fun to just mess around and, like, be able to mess up models. I mean, it's kind yeah. of why I did Nurgle, uh, which is pretty cool. <laughs> ah. Yeah. Speaking of Nurgle, I remembered one thing I did as well. I did a little more Death Guard stuff as well. Uh, I've, I've been sneaking little bits of hobby here and there. Uh, I worked mm. out how to make 2 by 4s at 40k hey. scale. Um, nice. Which is you just clip out an appropriately rectangular bit of plastic card, you stick it where you want, and then you coat the top surface with plastic glue. And after about 30 seconds, once it's melted just a little bit on the surface, you can carve a wood pattern in with the tip of a knife. Oh, good uh, idea. Yeah. And it, the, the fact that it melts makes it look a little less rigid and a little more organic. And then you've got the actual pattern in there. It should look pretty good hopefully i will see once i actually paint the dang rhino uh because <laughs> everyone knows the best way to reinforce uh, a big metal box is to slap some two by fours across any obvious weaknesses um <laughs> <laughs> so i've got, got a partially up armored rhino i might stick a dozer blade or something on the front just for kicks uh and i magnetized the top of my contemptor because i got a contemptor way back in february February? Oh, yes. February. Yep. Yep. Uh, yeah. 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 Uh, and I had built a little trophy rack for the top, and I'd also taken the uh, Phosphex launcher from my Leviathan, because Leviathans 40k aren't allowed to take Phosphex launchers. We've somehow forgotten that technology exists. Um, <laughs> <laughs> even Chaos is forgotten. Uh, but it's basically the perfect size to stand in as a Havoc launcher on top of the Contemptor, and Chaos Contemptors can take Havoc launchers, which are great to just add on for... They're like five points or something. They're really cheap, honestly. Yep. <laughs> um, and I magnetized that. So now I can switch between the trophy rack and the little missile rack on top of the contemptor whenever I want. And I'm pretty happy with how it looks, honestly. I'll do a little green stuff to help flesh out the bottom more. So there's, it's obviously not like hovering in place. Uh, but <laughs> yeah. Uh, so nice. yeah, I've done lots of, lots of bits and bobs and one big contrasty experiment. It's been my hobby for the last couple of weeks. God, the contrast is so good. Oh, I'm so looking forward to this. It's going to be so much fun. <laughs> oh, I can sense that excitement, mate. It's, it oh, is. Yeah. It has that effect on you. I cannot deny it. <laughs> that is what contrast <laughs> does to people. <clears throat> Excuse me. 
Uh, right. Okay. I think it's my turn. Um, mm-hmm. I've been doing a fair bit, actually. I I mean, last episode was just before my birthday, and obviously mm. I was going to Warhammer World again <laughs> to, you know, because that's what you do on your birthday. You know, you yeah, convince exactly. your wife, say, look, <laughs> you know, I'm getting older, you know, I and I still like playing with toy soldiers, so I want to go to the, <laughs> the, <laughs> the home of toy soldiers, please. So I <laughs> went to Warhammer World. Uh, so, uh, in, so a combination of sort of presents and things I bought myself. Um, mm. what did I get? I got him. I got I got my boy for my birthday. Aww. I got my Aww. bloodthirster. Yeah, he, he's there. He's ready. He's still <laughs> boxed, but he's there. <laughs> he's packed away for a a bloody and rainy day at some point. So yes, my wife showed how much she loved me by buying mm-hmm. me a bloodthirster. Definitely. I love you too. <laughs> um, so that was the the main bit um, I got from my birthday, and you know other little bits and bobs. But when I went to uh, Warhammer World, um, mm-hmm. I bought a very uh, mixed range of things, and it was funny because the the guys <laughs> the guy serving me uh, sort of said to me, are, "Are you making a diorama or something?" I was like, <laughs> "No, I've just got too many fingers in too many pies." <laughs> is <laughs> why I've got all these weird and wonderful things. So um, I bought the Merkwood Rangers for mm-hmm. Middle Earth. That's the sort yeah. of that's the um, the Wood Elf type uh, mm. faction. If you're familiar with Hobbit, that's the um, that sort of basically Legolas's um, troops. Basically, that's his his boys and girls. So mm. uh, I got that. Um, it <laughs> the, the funny thing is with the Middle Earth stuff. Uh, especially when you look at it in Warhammer World, is what they've started doing now is a lot of the boxes of stuff have a generic front to them. So, i.e., you can't mm. see the models on the front. It's it's not generic like the the Forge World side of things where it's just white boxes. That is very confusing. But the yeah. uh, the the Middle Earth stuff is sort of just got the you know the Lord of the Rings logo on the front of it, and then it's just got a sticker on it that says <laughs> Merkwood Rangers or Knights of Gondor yeah. or whatever you got. Um, and I, I was there in the range, you know, I was thinking, they've got a beer. They're in the, they're in the case. I can see them in the, um, you know, the yeah. display case. So they've got to have a box of them here. You know, I was there for, I looked about 10 times, collared a staff guy. And I was like, look, I, mm. have you got some work, work with ranges? It's right there. And it was, I'd, I'd, I'd literally gone past it 10 times. And, and I was like, yep, yeah, see, this is why I'm getting older now. You know, this is my birthday. Yeah. Look, I'm proving, yeah. I'm proving it. Um, <laughs> I, um, <clears throat> I bought a few bits um, that are a bit odd. I bought Sisters of the Thorn. Um, yeah. The reason I bought Sisters of the Thorn, that for people that say technically a Wanderers unit um, yeah. in AOS, they're the the the, the girls on the um, on the um, uh, I suppose deer really of sorts. Mm. They're they're like a yeah. that type of unit, and uh, yeah, I got those because they can actually they're quite a good support unit to go with Deepkin. And yeah. I do have about 1,500 points of Deepkin that I bought a while back that are sat around. So mm. that's why I got them. I got a Lawmaster for the same reason. Lawmaster is like the old high elf yeah. Um, yeah. wizard with a great sword and a basically like an Shooting orb in one hand. fireball thing, yeah. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, he's doing a little <laughs> mini Hadouken. And yeah. <laughs> he, <laughs> he, he, what's good about both of those units is they're both plastic you know the mm. obviously they're slightly older ones but they're they're still in plastic which is always a always a good thing <laughs> not fine cast and <laughs> uh, so i've got those for uh well as and when i want to use them um 
I'm, I'm trying to think what else I bought. Um, that's the main things I bought. There's probably a couple other bits, but I can't really remember to be honest. Because again, mm. getting older now. Mm. Um, <laughs> uh, what else? Right, hobby wise, actual doing stuff. I've, mm-hmm. Again, mm-hmm. I'm actually starting to be productive now. I <laughs> am good. now up to 750 points of Blades of Corn built. That's um, pretty good, so actually. Yeah. I, that's well for me. It is. Um, <laughs> you know, listeners will know how my you know how frustrated i get with uh, building sometimes mm. so yeah i i finished my 10 blood warriors the basically the ones mm-hmm. that come in the start collecting box they were lovely to build you get some great variation mm-hmm. with them they were really good you can do them i did them almost in a uh, like a conveyor belt way of doing it sort of doing the legs yeah. and do, make sure yeah. all the legs are done then add the torsos etc and it was yeah really good solid unit and they look gorgeous as well they're really just an awesome looking <clears throat> Mm. excuse me they're an awesome looking unit to do uh and this is dedication i was up until 1am building them i was like wow. my wife my wife was like i'm going to bed i'm like no i've got two more to finish i'm gonna finish them now <laughs> so i uh i built those uh i then recently uh built my second slaughter priest um mm-hmm, i built mm-hmm. him uh he is a duplicate of yeah. the the one i already had because basically i bought one off ebay for a good price and i bought and the one that comes with the start collecting box, it's the one with the uh, hack blade mm. and and sort of ball and chain one. Yeah, uh, the two. Yeah. Uh, well, there's three of them actually. I think mm. two, three. There's, there's so, a lot of slaughter. There's a, yeah, <laughs> I think it's two actually. And so I thought oh, I want to make this one different. So what I did is obviously I had a few spare heads from the Blood Warriors, mm-hmm. and I thought I'm going to put a Blood Warrior head on this slaughter priest. Um, it was a bit trickier than it looked because the way that you put the the sort of default slaughter head slaughter head that's his name yeah he's slaughter head slaughter priest head uh, on it's on it it's on at like a 45 degree angle to the neck mm. so mm. it's a very flat way whereas the blood warrior head has got like um you know you know and, you know when it's rounded at the at the bottom you know like like yeah. a little socket yeah. sort of thing so i had to literally cut that file it you know Try it on. No, file it a bit more. File the neck a bit more, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And then I got it. You know, at, the, at a good angle. I probably need to put a little bit of liquid green stuff in, in like just to get rid of a slight few millimeter gap. You know, it'd be one of those mm. I'll sort of do one before I paint it. But I was really happy with him, to be honest. I think with the mm. with the head, he looks really good. Um, yeah, got a good bit yeah. of feedback from people that saw him. Yeah, on like our oh, Twitter I gotta say, and stuff. He, he looks so good. Like, <laughs> yeah, I don't actually think I've ever seen that Blood Warrior head. If I mm. have, it's been in a big group of Blood Warriors and it hasn't stood out. But that's a really good helmet, actually. It is, isn't it? Yeah, and, like a uh, really good hero helmet, I think, especially. <laughs> well, yeah, and I, and I just wanted to. Well, like I said, I wanted to differentiate him, and I just liked it, and it the. The good thing is with the kit, like I said, you do get a few spare hel- um, um, mm. heads. And I think the, yeah. the main reason you do is because also you get a couple of non-helmeted Blood Warrior heads in mm. the kit as well. Um, mm. And also I've got a load of spare gore axes now because you can either fit them with dual gore axes or a gore axe and a gore fist. Uh, I've gone for yeah. the gore fist because of the mortal wound rebound mm. thing that's mm. as part of their, their rules. So... Um, so yeah, so that's what I built. Um, so what's really cool now is, as of this recording tomorrow, tomorrow Sunday, I'm going to build my Chaos Lord on a Manticore, yeah, which I bought yeah. a little while ago. When I build him, I will have a thousand points blade of corn built. 
that's probably awesome. the most I've bi- ever since I've got back into the hobby. <laughs> that's the most I've ever managed to build of mm. one thing. So yeah, can't wait. And so my plan is build build the the Manticore and Lord tomorrow. Obviously pre order uh, contrast this week, um, and then I will have a thousand points ready to spray and and paint. To be honest, mm. so yeah, um, I think the first unit I'll do will be my blood letters. I've got a unit yeah. of ten blood letters. Uh, that I think will be perfect for contrast. Um, mm. Oh, and I'm not doing any of it, any red as well, apart from no. maybe blood for the blood god. They're going to be purple. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so because I like purple. Um, also, another thing I built, and it's similar. You know what you're sort of saying with your your, your stone cast. You're like, oh, what should yeah. I do? I just built a um, Ideneth Deepkin Soul Render last week yeah, yeah. um I, he was kicking around um he was just a spare one i had because i've already got two um mm. and i just built him um just yeah. again i think just for consistency if, you, if that makes any mm. sense just mm. sort of because he he's damn fiddly okay <laughs> he's a very fiddly <laughs> kit um when you've got fat chunky hands like i have it's uh it was yeah. a bit of a challenge but he, he is an utterly gorgeous model he's oh, the yeah. he's, he's the one with the the sort of lure and lamp thing on his helmet mm. with the big sort of yeah. hook scythe thing um yeah. yeah really cool really 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 mm-hmm. cool model and again he's one that i'll just I, I think i'll just use him as a test model you know for again for a bit mm. of contrast so he's there ready for whenever um mm-hmm. what else <clears throat> excuse me um reading um I haven't done that much reading, actually. Um, usually it's more reading than models. It's actually, it was the other mm. way around this time. Um, I've read, or I should say, listened to The Solar War, which is the first uh, Siege yeah. of Terror book. Good. Good. I, I, I think it's, it's. I, I wouldn't say it's amazing, but I would say it's good. You know, it's, a, it's definitely yeah. worth a read and listen. It's mainly space battles, um, which yeah. is not never a bad thing, but that is a prominent thing so again it depends if you're into that or not i mean obviously if you've been reading the heresy at this point you're going to carry on with this so uh but yeah solid solid is probably the way i'd sum it up it's a solid novel um paperback wise i am reading or about halfway through uh auric gods auric Mm -hmm. yeah the the, uh the custodes novella um Mm. it's okay so far i'm not blown away by it but I'm yeah. not hating it either. It's a, uh, you know, yeah, it's okay so far. <laughs> Be interested to see where it goes. It's quite a, it's quite one of the sort of thicker of the novellas as well. It's quite a chunky mm. book mm. compared to the others. So it's to, and it's added about another thirty or four pages <laughs> compared to the others. Um, I've bought a load of books. Um, I have got a lovely spanking new copy of the uh, the Liber Chaotica book yeah. that's uh that's uh, been revealed um <laughs> black library decided to send it me early which is probably what's happened yeah, to quite a few yeah. people that was weird because nice I mean, it was uh, well exactly and chaos was, in all things exactly <laughs> yeah you've you've messed with my mind black library i i wasn't expecting it this early because uh, you know my wife sort of sent me a, a photo like oh you've got a package um you know cause, like, mm. when i was at work and i was like Oh, open it up what is that and yeah it decided to arrive earlier this week about three or four days early because wow. it's not even yeah well it's it's actually due out today uh, which is yeah, the eight, yeah, exactly. 8th of june so yeah, yeah. ironically i've so, not even opened it up yet but yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> i just got we should say this now when are we doing the show for each chapter of the book well i think it's inevitable <laughs> we're going to cover it um i suppose because because uh, obviously you bought the older version yeah, I've got, I've got a beautiful near mint condition original co- copy from our lovely lad Mesgorov. Uh, yeah, 
bit a bit of a kick in the teeth to like a month and a half later have it released at a normal price, but yeah, that's I'm, life. Isn't it, I suppose. I, I'll consider it a donation towards his hobby pool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, it, it was it's a good book, and I got plenty of enjoyment out of it before they told me they were going to sell it anyway. <laughs> that was absolutely bizarre, you know, because I because I, I was actually telling my wife about it, mm. you know, because she she knew. Um, when you bought that book, because I obviously told her, like, yeah. yeah, he spent a pretty penny on it, and this, you know, <laughs> and uh, yeah, she goes, "Did he know?" I'm like, "No, no, he didn't. <laughs> no, he didn't know." It's like, yeah, I, I'm he not decided to buy it anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, that was. Uh, but no, like I said, I, 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 I presume you're going to think about getting a new a newer version as well, just to add. I'm, to... I'm tempted to get him a big brother. Yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the shiny version. The shelves. Mm. It's a mm. big book as well. It's like A4 oh, sized. Yeah. Well, oh, almost yeah. A4 sized, and it's about four or five hundred pages. So that'll be uh, mm. that'll be something I'll probably start at Christmas time, no doubt. <laughs> <laughs> I want to get around to it. Um, and then lastly, I mm. bought a few other, uh, paperbacks. Like I got a few of the, I got like the Death Watch Omnibus. I just fancied it. Yeah. Just fancied mm. reading it. And I got, uh, Ignition, which is a, um, a, another Death Watch, Death Watch novel, which I think is based mm. on the ones from the Kill Team Cassius, I think. Um, yeah. from what I understand. Um, and I got, <laughs> at last, I got Rise of the Inari Wild Rider, the, um, the, the second Yunari books. I, I, I rave about the first one a lot. So I've not got around to mm. reading the second one because I've been waiting for it to come on paperback. So I've got that as well to uh, get stuck into. Um, and I think lastly, um, I'd say is that a few of us on our Discord have been playing Warhammer Chaos and Conquest on our mm. phones and tablets. That's the, the new mobile game. Um, it was actually, I remember seeing it at um, Warhammer Fest and I'm a, I'll be honest, I didn't pay much attention to it. Actually, the only thing attention we gave them is they were giving away free badges. And obviously, yeah, you know, being a sucker <laughs> for badges, we were all there queuing up for them. Mm. <laughs> it's, a, it's your standard sort of mobile game in the sense it's all about, you know, you know building your chaos fortress. And it's all, you know, it's all about, you know, ones where you, 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 build something it takes you know in real time like 15 minutes an hour and obviously you can pay to speed it up and you know it's got all mm. those mobile you know traps but you know you don't have to get involved with them i've not spent a penny on yeah. it um yeah. uh, i'm just learning as i go really it's 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 good actually it's graphically it's lovely um and there's about i think about four or five of us that are really into it and you know mm. leveling up um it's free it's on well we're playing it on android but i'm sure it's on like ios and all that sort of stuff but yeah give it a go chaos and conquest it mm. looks it's pretty good so far and you know we've got a a uh alliance which is like a serve you know a clan or whatever you want to call it for realm and ruin as well um so if you search for realm and ruin on there um it's an invite only because we just had a load of random people <laughs> join so um <laughs> luckily one of our great people on Discord, smells like Zero Spirit, has just uh, has been our enforcer. He's gone round kicking people mm. out of our alliance. I gave him the power to do so, and he has done that, which is great. Um, so yeah, that's been my hobby stuff: buying lots, actually building stuff, and um, mm. playing a mobile game. Excellent. <laughs> right, we'll take our um, first little break now, and. Like the Warhammer journalists that we are, when we return, we're going to talk about the news. Back soon. Hello and welcome back. 
time to get stuck into the fountain of news, the fountain mm. of Warhammer news mm. that's been going on. And <laughs> uh, like I said earlier, we had a couple of events that have happened since last episode, namely the UK Games Expo and the uh, Black Library Live Day. Yeah, so yeah. they've given us a, a chunk of stuff. Uh, but so as always, we'll crack through the little bits that we've got and we'll go through we'll start with the 40k and aos stuff and then we'll do the other stuff uh mm. mainly the 40k and aos stuff is a bit a bit <laughs> sparse on the ground compared to the other for, which sort of makes a change so yeah. um so yeah we'll we'll start with the the main bit of 40k news that we've seen which is the announcement of the next blackstone fortress mm. expansion which is escalation very yeah. exciting indeed so uh so yeah I mean, karen what's your what's your thoughts it looks pretty damn cool. Um, so, uh, owl-eared listeners will remember a while back, a fair while back, we were talking about some more um, <clears throat> rogue trader character style models, I believe they were, which was the rogue trader with the peg leg and the uh, server skull reloading the gun, I think, and then like a servitor and some other, and a crusader, I believe, that were initially announced as coming for a box game. It turns out there are also four new heroes for Blackstone Fortress coming as part of Escalation, which is cool. But mm-hmm. who cares about the heroes? Chaos Cultists. <laughs> Chaos Cultists. Chaos Cultists. Chaos Cultists. <laughs> ah! They look so good. Carrying lunchboxes. <laughs> Carrying lunchboxes, as I think, what, is it Drew or someone pointed out on the yeah, Discord? Think... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe not. Um, yeah. Yeah, the, these Chaos Cultists look awesome. Um, also, they have a grenade launcher, so that might indicate an upcoming change if a new Chaos Cultist kit comes. It might let them take grenade launchers as well as heavy flamers and heavy stubbers. Or do they just get flamers? Might just be flamers. I can never tell with the uh, the Cultist flamer design because it's so long and thin, so I'm not sure if that's a heavy flamer mm-hmm. or a normal flamer. Um, yeah. But regardless, they look incredible. They have all this crazy little Chaos Cult stuff going on, and as is sort of becoming really standard with Games Workshop stuff, uh, there's there's a good gender split. There's some female cultists. I believe the sergeant is actually a woman. She's got a big chainsword, so we'll mm-hmm. approve. Big chainsword, weird mask, <laughs> uh, and then there's the guy with the flamer and the big like tusk that he almost looks like a he looks like Silesque, the Slanesh demon prince kind of. He does. Yeah, Very appropriate. Mm, mm. And happy like days, um, yeah, yeah, happy days. <laughs> I mean, we got the <laughs> we got the the Ogren and the Trader Commissar still have to come as well. So I'm not sure if that'll be dropped mm. like around the same time as Escalation, or if Escalation will come first, then Trader Command will come. But we're really we're really really building like a handy little Lost in the Damned Renegades army starter set here, aren't we? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's definitely getting some uh, of that vibe, isn't it? It's it, it, mm. it's just showing the. And the direction they're going with this. And also, I think what's really cool is that, like we said before, with some of the other games, they are really supporting this as well. Mm, it's great, mm. the fact that we're still getting the expansions. Because if you look at the the fantasy Warhammer, you know, the AOS Warhammer uh, quest side of things, that sort of felt like it just got dropped eventually. You know, you mm, had the two box mm. sets, and then you could buy a couple of heroes externally from it. But then that's sort of it, really. Yeah, Because... Um, yeah. Actually, the one thing I would say, just slightly Warhammer Quest related, is that, for example, um, you know, uh, Forbidden Power, from what I read, yeah. you know, obviously yeah. there's um, the uh, Excelsior War Priest on the Order mm-hmm. side is yeah. one of the units that you can include in one of those new battalions. Yeah. Now, you can only get that unit, as far as I know, 
I may, I may be wrong, but I'm pretty sure you can only get it in the Warhammer Quest Silver Tower box you, set. Uh, you are and, wrong. He is available in the poster. Oh. <laughs> uh, is it? Because I, yeah. I can't see it on the website. Really? Um, is it, it's the yeah. one with the book and the little dog, right? The Griffin thing. Yeah. 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 Hey. I'm going to. No, now I'm, I'm going to research this because I all of a sudden <laughs> I saw him in store last week. Uh, <laughs> um. No, I can't see it on the website. Uh, um. Let's see. <laughs> oh, but that's weird because I'm sure I've seen him in a blister. I'm 100% yeah. certain I've seen him in a blister. Hold on, now I have to scroll through like the Devoted of Sigma tab on order. Hold on a second. Yeah, I I can't. Yeah, oh, I'll, under free I'll carry now. on. Yeah, you, you carry on. I'm going to look for this little bugger <laughs> I, like, I, I, it was only because it, it popped up on the one of the forums and i was mm. like oh what's the what's the because i couldn't recognize the name i was like what's the excelsior yeah. uh, war priest and the records oh it's the one out of warhammer quest and yeah I, and then i thought oh how much is it yeah of interest and then yeah i couldn't find him but luckily mm. i i do have the silver tower box set yeah. away somewhere yeah. so i do actually technically own him i was just more out of interest mm. um so yeah, going back to Blackstone what Fortress. Hell? Just a uh, second. <laughs> <laughs> he's, still, he's still struggling. <laughs> I, I literally saw this in a store like a week ago. I'm not sure. Right, okay. It wasn't a Games Workshop, yeah. but it was. <laughs> I'm so confused. <laughs> well, I, I I presume they just they they, they just don't sell him anymore. I mean, yeah, whether, I'm not maybe. saying. Sorry, when I yeah, maybe yeah. sorry when I said you couldn't get him elsewhere, I meant I don't mean that they never released him separately. As in, mm. you can't buy him. You can't go on GW. Yeah, it's possible they took him, him off offline, as it were. Yeah, oh, man, he's not there. <laughs> that's kind of sad because he's actually a very cool sculpt. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's it was. Yeah, that's what I was looking for. Um, because I know I think that these Hound has the has a separate mm. war scroll as well. Oh yeah, compared to yeah. the War Priest as well. They're two 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 war scrolls, but yeah, uh, yeah. Going back to Blackstone <laughs> Fortress. Um, looking at the heroes. Didn't mm. we see some of these as part of that combat arena that was announced? Yeah, yeah. I swear that's what I was the guy with the sword and the shield was. Yeah, that's what I mentioned earlier. I couldn't remember mm. the name of the thing. But yeah, we, we're like, ah. they're part of combat arena. And now it's like, hey, a lot of jokes, combat arena is coming out in like two countries. So the rest of you get them in a Blackstone Fortress box. Uh- <laughs> Fair play. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They work that way. Yeah. Mm. But they're very cool. Very yeah, cool models. and. Cool. <laughs> mm. And like I said, it, it def- we're definitely heading that route of cultists and mm. traitor guard mm. and things like that. And and knowing the big chaos push that we've had, obviously with the chaos space marines, it wouldn't surprise me if maybe they get their own codex or similar yeah. down the line. I really hope uh, so. I want I want a lost in the dam. Yeah, loyal thirty two for chaos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, very mm. cool indeed. Um, so we'll switch up to AOS. And we've seen yet another warband. Is this the fourth one? I want to say. Um, uh, the six. Let's see. We've we've had Iron Golems and um, yep. the Watsits. The Watsits. Yeah, that's another one. No, the Untamed Beasts. Um, Untamed and then, Beasts. And then we have the Splintered Fang. Splintered Fang. We've got this. I feel like there was one other. Who were the ones? No, who were the ones sure fighting the Iron Golems, or was that the Untamed Beasts? Is it Untamed yeah, Beasts? Yeah, that Iron was. Oh, okay. Yeah. Good. Yeah, so, and then the snake anyway, people are the yeah. fang ones, obviously. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, Corvus Cabal. Corvus Cabal. Yes. God, these look so good. Oh, they're man. awesome, aren't they? I've, it's, <laughs> it's one of these. It's one of these things where the second I do something in D anD D, two and a half weeks later, Games Workshop announces a product that would be because, per- like, 
I did Snake Cultist things in D&D, and then the Splintered Fang was announced, like, two weeks later. <laughs> and then I did <laughs> Crow Barbarians in D&D, like, two weeks ago, literally. <laughs> and here they are again. <laughs> oh, but I just love how, like, creative these are. Because, um, like, they're, they're, they are Realm of Shadow, uh, Chaos Cultists, basically, and... Mm-hmm. I feel like they're kind of halfway between the Untamed Beast and the Splintered Fang, because the Splintered Fang are, like, the more organized, civilized, and the Untamed Beasts are, like, Untamed Beasts, honestly. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but the, these guys feel a little more organized. But then you get all this really cool, wacky stuff, like a leader with fake crow wings and crow leg stilts that make his feet, like, make his legs work like <laughs> yeah. bird legs and have little claws on the end so he can do a little stamping dance attack thing. I don't know. <laughs> oh, I, I love the they, way these look. They're so good. <laughs> they're gorgeous. I, lo- I love the one with the decapitated head in his mm. hand, and there's a and a crow sort of like to use it as a perch. It's amazing. They're oh, so yeah. detailed as well. Mm. They're amazingly detailed. Yeah. And I must admit, I, I, you know, we I know that my opinion of Warcry was very uh, lukewarm <laughs> initially. <laughs> I'm I am massively massively impressed with these mm. warbands. Mm. They are looking absolutely awesome. Um, again, the 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 real test will be obviously when the game comes out and we see the actual rules. Um, and actually, they have sort of they have inadvertently leaked when it's coming out, haven't mm. they? Because yeah. um, it's coming out twentieth of July because yeah. they've started sending emails out for AOS Day, I believe. Mm. I think it's yeah, Age of Sigmar Open Day. Yeah. Um and they said this is the that's where you can f- the first time you're able to play and buy it is the twentieth yeah. of July. Yeah. So that sounds like a release date for me. So yeah. we're only yeah. a month and a bit away yeah. from it now. See what like, it's all about. People people have been asking like what is it actually all about? Like when do we learn what the game play is like? And I'm really interested to know that too, but like just the quality of the models have got me excited for this. Like, if nothing else, I'm going to grab Splintered Fang and Corvus Cabal because those are both look <laughs> yeah. incredible. They are by far my favorites out of the four revealed so far. But then like, if it, if it's going to be a Necromunda style sort of kill team style game, I'll pick up the main box as well because those ruins look awesome. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Those True. ruins look awesome. The teams look awesome. And. Man, yeah, it's it's exciting. As long as they don't screw up on the rules, I feel like this can be a really, really big thing for, like, small AOS. Like, this can be proper skirmish AOS, especially with all the non-Chaos factions they're going to have rules for. Yeah, definitely. And it, and I think, like, like I um, I think I said it last episode when, after Warhammer Fest, that they did confirm that it is like Kill Team. Mm. Um, mm. So, you know, that is what to expect it's because obviously there was talk is it like kill team is it like necromunda and they pretty much said it's like aos kill team effectively so that's what they sort of insinuated and and i said if uh, apologies if i'm repeating myself but i think (laughs) that they did say that the box set will be very similar to kill team as in it'll be two war bands probably i'm guessing the iron golems and the untamed beasts Mm. uh there'll be train in there of the rule book all the extras um and again the other thing i would say then is it may you may want to jump on it because obviously the kill team star set disappeared (laughs) like (laughs) that (laughs) relative you know uh, you know relatively quickly so again like a lot of these box sets it's you know if you want it you may want to get on it quickly before Mm. they stop Mm. selling on it potentially (laughs) so so yeah exciting times ahead from Warcry. um right so we'll switch up to 
the other stuff because mm-hmm. this actually was probably more <laughs> predominant than I said the <laughs> AOS side of things. So yeah. we'll switch to Necromunda, talk mm-hmm. mentioning that, um, and they've now announced the Palatine Enforcers, yeah. who look very cool mm-hmm. indeed. I think mm-hmm. they're gorgeous looking models. Um, they have been compared to like mini primaris they've been said oh <laughs> this is what primaris scouts would look like yeah, is a, yeah. another thing people are saying um so basically they're like you know they, well now are they actually what's their connection to the arbites because obviously um, we knew that arbites were coming but obviously yeah. this is a, suggests like it's a different thing yeah so, so do you know the, the, these are technically so like the idea with the arbites or the arbides or however the hell you pronounce things in latin um <laughs> gothic whatever uh they are essentially like everyone's like oh they're the cops like no no they are they are way up there like an arbides enforcer is like pretty high status and like a very well-trained operative and everything they are close to like fbi cia mi whatever you guys are up to with your intelligence agency level um like their their job is to investigate big things and shut down big dangerous things and then the enforcers are in this case the palatine enforcers in the law of necromunda i believe work for a specific house like a noble hive house uh, which is why they are the Palatine enforcers for House Palatine or something like that. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Or they're or they're yeah. working for a particular lord, but they are essentially the closer to the local police force. Like, they're like they're like SWAT, and then Arbides are like SAS mixed with CIA kind of style thing. Yeah, like they deal with much bigger things than putting down a gang threat, which is what the enforcers <laughs> yeah. are for. <laughs> yeah, it'd, yeah. Be, it'd be it'd be weird. It'd be like the equivalent of sending a space marine in to settle like a small imperial guard dispute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which we yeah. sort of see if you're familiar with the Eisenhorn uh, mm. novels as well. Mm. Um, what's his True. name? Fishick. Yeah, Fishick. Um, yeah, he's an RBTs, and like you said, he is. You know, he's not just a grunt enforcer that mm. you know slaps a couple of gangers around. <laughs> <laughs> he's a he's a bit more to him, but they're they're very cool. And again. You know, repeating myself, but it's great to see you support for things like Necromunda. Yeah. They're not just being yeah. forgotten about. Um, mm. And again, very detailed units. You know, yeah, they're not yeah. they're not just bog standard sort of thing. So mm. no, very impressive I indeed. Feel, I feel they may be lacking a little bit of dynamism, but I think that also might be the angles for like they're being mm. photographed at. And I mean, also they're meant to be a more organized, like disciplined force. So they're obviously all not running around like lunatics with. <laughs> rivet guns and escher pistols and things like that but yeah a lot of them do seem to be standing to attention with a bolter which also i'm scared of how many bolters this could bring if i ever play necromunda because <laughs> they are they are dangerous in necromunda huh yeah i'm gonna hit with a bolt gun um but yeah no it, it's good to see attention still being on necromunda and them keeping to mm. bring all these really cool things out for it yep Exactly, yeah. and there's more of the same, uh, in the sense that uh, Blood Bowl's got a another team that's been announced, which is an, a mm-hmm. very uh, it seems to be a very divisive uh, Wood Elf <laughs> team, which is the Athalorn mm-hmm. Avengers. Because why well, yeah. well, I say that is that they seem to be polarizing opinions on these. Some people <laughs> say these look absolutely amazing, and some people going, "Why are they wearing bodysuits and masks?" <laughs> uh, <laughs> Um, what do you think of them? I really, really like them. Uh, I'm not 100% sure how they fit into Blood Bowl's aesthetic as a whole, but the second I saw them, you know what I thought? 
You know what I thought, Matthew? I thought... What did you think? I thought Exodite Harlequins. Yes. Put that out there. Yes. These guys would be great for, like, Exodite allied Harlequins. So if you're doing an Exodite army, you want Harlequins, get a box of these. The, that is so a really good, good show, actually. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> mm. The body gloves help them fit into 40k and then they've still got all the same like elven adornments with the gems and everything as well so they'll fit the overall aesthetics especially if you're doing a more down-to-earth exodite style thing and then yep. they're all in good running and sprinting and leaping poses so just put them on little bits of cork to make sure they're like actual harlequin heights <laughs> there you yeah. go <laughs> yeah, I, I really like them for that. I can I can understand why some people aren't super happy with them. Like they definitely don't fit the old school Warhammer Fantasy Wood Elves aesthetic so much. Like those yep. would have, I feel, more wrappings and hoods and stuff like that. And instead, they've gone for the full on, you know, <laughs> yeah, it's full on Harlequin style body gloves and masks. But that's cool. And you know, they yep. call they're called the Athlon Avengers. What more do you want? <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. Yeah, no. I mean, my uh, work colleague who's into Warhammer, he um, he really is into Blood Bowl as well. So, mm. um, you know, and he's you know some of the people he you know get really excited about this. So, yeah, mm. I think. Uh, and also, it's nice to see Wood Elves. Wood Elves are yeah are great. I loved them back in the day. So, it, it just in Warhammer <laughs> Fantasy. So it's great to see them uh, in this as well. So, uh, yeah more happy Blood Bowl fans. What we mm. like to hear. <laughs> right. So. That was sort of the main news from the UK Games Expo. So we'll switch it up to, which was the other main event so that happened, which is Black Library Live, um, yeah. which I think I was I found even more exciting because yeah, I tell you what, so some cool. of the books that we're going to mm. see soon <laughs> are just oh. absolutely amazing. <laughs> but before oh. we get stuck into the books, mm-hmm. um, a certain bearded <laughs> warrior was announced to be coming to a model which is uh got trek out of got trek and felix mm, they've mm. shown off his <laughs> they've shown off his his miniature which looks absolutely glorious oh um, my God. i know and i say that knowing that last episode i did criticize dwarves i, I for, you know mm. we both said that dwarves yeah. were not our sort of thing yeah uh but I can't deny this is an awesome looking yeah, model. Look, I understand our arguments against doors, but listen, this is my counter argument. Gotrek lives. <laughs> Gotrek lives. <laughs> I mean, like we knew, we knew, we knew he made it already. But like, yeah, I'm actually really excited to see where he will fit in because, like, I know this is technically more of a display model. Looking at it, but mm. you know, you know, he's going to have rules for Age of Sigma. So the question is, what army is he under? Please tell me well, it's dispossessed. Well, well, that's the thing. That have you have you seen that um, rumor about a new dwarf battle tome regarding no, the dispossessed? I have not, actually, well, it's doing the rounds, and it's supposed to be off the back of Black Library Live. Supposedly, okay. they are there. There's this rumor that dispossessed are going like I said going to have when I say have their own battle tome they're going to mm. maybe be rebranded you know similar to gloom spike yeah. gets you know yeah. with the moon clan they'll be sort of they'll be amalgamated slightly with obviously fire slayers caradron mm. overlords um because there is also 
in the new Fire Slayers battle tome that came out recently, there is a an extract in it where that sort of basically says that the Fire Slayers, even though you know they they're quite selfish and do their own thing, they they will sometimes meet up with the other types of dwarves like the Caradron mm. overlords mm. and the dispossessed and sort of you know have drinks with them and and yeah. sort of form alliances and stuff. So I think well, there's a good chance we'll see a dispossessed type book with mm. you know where you can bring in fire slayers and overlords even though they have their own battle tomes yeah. as well similar to similar to like legions and nagash and yeah. night yeah. haunt that sort of overlap mm. so mm. i think that's where they may shove him in potentially yeah. could be wrong but that i think that's where it may yeah because like he's not he's not actually a fire slayer and he's probably not very happy with actual fire slayers. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> judging from all I've heard. But, like, yeah, I feel he would fit best as a dispossessed. Because, I mean, he literally fits yep. the mold of, I lost everything that I owned. You know, what else is there to do but stick with clan and family? But, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I also just want to see exactly how much damage he does on the charge. Because uh, mm-hmm. he should. He should. <laughs> yeah. He should technically be able to one-shot a dragon at this point, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yeah, I'd agree. <laughs> he's Gotrek, he's Gotrek, the slayer of every everything they had a name for in Warhammer Fantasy. That was so many books. <laughs> exactly. And then there's and this one's like I like I mentioned before, The Bone Desert. Mm. That's another great little novel if you want to yeah, read a, another yeah, AOS. Um, yeah, another AOS Scott Trek, not, uh, was well, a novella, but it's by, um, mm. Robbie McNiven, friend of the show. And he, yeah, he, yeah. you know, it's a really cracking little novel. So no, this is very exciting. Do you actually think with his model, do you think it's going to be plastic? I think it will be. Or, mm. Mm, yeah, no, I'm going to say, I'm going to say, I think it will be simply for like, um, God, you know, so many things could go wrong with that beard and resin. Um, <laughs> like, and it, it looks to me more like he could be a plastic kit. Like, there's bits where seams are easier to hide and things like that. Like, you know, the beard could cover a lot of ill in that terms. But then again, at the same time, he could just be a big old hunk of resin. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I suppose the reason I ask that is that if you think of models like mm. um, Eisenhorn, yeah, um, that yeah. uh, female commissar Rain, is it Severina yeah, yeah. Rain? I think yeah. her name was. Um, they were all in re- they were both in resin, and they you know being true. sort of so mm. yeah. But I suppose looking at the size of his base, it may be plastic because mm. that'd be a good. Like you said, that'd be a big chunk of resin. That, that would have. actually be a very chunk. A very big chunk of boy. So there. <laughs> yeah. So I think yeah. I think I'm leaning towards plastic, but mm. who knows? It'll be one of yeah. the two. Um, anyway, and yeah, and he's talking, getting, talking he's getting an actual novel. Yeah, it is yeah. another one. Mm. He's getting Realm Slayer: Blood of the Old World. If you've not listened to Realm Slayer, yeah. which is the audio book with Brian Blessed, go check it out. It mm. is great. It's um, if you're especially if your background is in fantasy and then now aos because he makes a lot of references mm. of uh, the old world to the new world which is really cool yeah. <laughs> um and actually i'll tell you what made me uh, laugh is that uh, david geimer who's the the 
the author of the of Realm yeah. Slayer and obviously this new book as well is that I think on Twitter he showed off um I think it must have been a screenshot of like the audible rate, you know, rankings mm. and stuff like that. And mm. it clearly showed that people, that the sequel was announced because like Realm Slayer <laughs> sales just shot up, you know, once they saw the model and obviously the yeah, sequel. So obviously he's really pleased. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and we're getting an actual physical book as well, which is Ghoul Slayer by Darius Hinks, mm-hmm. uh, which is pretty good. So it looks like they're going to the realm of death and they're going to meet up with the flesh eater courts. Which is going to be really interesting, actually, because <laughs> yeah, there's there's actually just slide aside. There's been a ton of really interesting stuff with Flesh Eater Courts recently. Uh, did you know? Do you know what the what role they play in Forbidden Power? Uh, no, I don't. Uh, so they they actually make an allyship with an Order city in Forbidden Power to protect it against invasion. Because the okay. storm, yeah, because the anvils of the Heldenhammer, the the stormcast from the realm of death, come to them and they see them as like you know pitiful envoys from another realm begging for their help, and the flesh eater calls like yes, yes, we will <laughs> prevent any harm befalling you. And then later on, slight spoilers for Forbidden Power story, I guess at the last minute, just a ton of ghouls come out of nowhere and help not save the city but prevent the utter destruction <laughs> of everything. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. Uh, it's, it's great. I love, I just love Flesh Eaters so much in Age of Sigma. They have so much character for a bunch of, they like, do actually. little out of their mind ghouls. <laughs> they do actually. And I think that it's, it shows what you, like you said, what you can do from a narrative point of view with, uh, well, you know, with a, like I said, a faction that, you know, could be deemed as quite one dimensional. They're not, mm. but they, you know, they could be. So it's, it's really good when they do that. And actually, I've just noticed looking at the, uh, cover of Ghoul Slayer. I, mm. I believe that um, that Dark Elf, or uh, I should say, uh, Daughter mm. of Cain, is the one out of uh, Bone Desert because that's about, yeah. you know without really yeah. spoiling it. He teams up, you know, with a Daughter mm. of Cain, and I believe that's probably her by the look of it. So yeah, that's really cool. Malamuth was her name. Yeah. Oh, is yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm sorry, memory's gone, but yes, memory's probably. Gone. <laughs> <laughs> Names and faces. Uh, who knows? Um, <laughs> We're, we can also now, uh, we will be able to say, buy the actual script for Realm Slayer, the original audio drama, which is mm-hmm. really cool because it'll have art, behind-the-scenes photographs, and an actual, like, annotated script. And yep. they're, they're reselling the 20th anniversary edition of Troll Slayer, which is, mm. like, the first set of stories, first set of Gotrek and Felix stories. And if you haven't read those, by the way, seriously, go back, read the Gotrek and Felix stuff. There's so much good story in there <laughs> yeah. like it's just great it's just it's just fun. it's just got like going around trying to die in battle and being too good and getting <laughs> and getting angrier and angrier every book that he's unable to die in battle <laughs> <laughs> oh it's so good <laughs> i must admit as someone that's coming to these late as in i wasn't really i've never mm. really read any older ones i'm definitely very tempted to go back into the history of got because mm. i've been very impressed with what i've read so far yeah. which is yeah. realm slayer and bone desert so yeah thoroughly recommend mm-hmm. getting stuck mm-hmm. into these yeah. um and we've got more aos stuff <laughs> uh we've got uh neferata the dominion of bones so another book about mm-hmm. her because she's got at least one or two books Based yeah. to, well, she's definitely got yeah. one, but I think maybe a second. I can't remember. Mm. So, 
that's very cool as well. Mm-hmm. Um, again, with most of these, we haven't really got much information to go off. Uh, yeah. They're just showing us, obviously, yeah. the covers and the titles. Uh, the next one is probably my most excited one. Mm-hmm. They listened to me. The mm-hmm. gods finally <laughs> listened to me when I was like, please do a full Deepkin novel. We need yes. it. And they are. It's oh going to be glorious. I don't care. It's already yeah. going to be good. Yeah. Uh, so that, that's, <laughs> that's Court of the Blind King by David Geimer. Yep. And just the art, just the cover mm. art is incredible like oh, oh my god like amazing. if if you're not sold on Idena, find this piece of art because this piece of art on its own should probably sell you on Idena. <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> oh, oh it's amazing mm. i can't wait i can't mm. wait for that that's that was the highlight for me out of all these yeah. novels that we're about to talk about <laughs> um what was next well, yeah uh, next one obviously was gloom spite by andy mm-hmm. clark we saw that revealed a month or two ago i yeah, believe it was yeah. you know this isn't a brand new one but yeah it must be edging cl- actually it's i think it's out in the next month or so from memory i think it was sort oh, of june wow. july time yeah so we will be getting it yeah very very soon and again on terms of cover art love this one as well because it's like that <laughs> super cartoony but also very i would say grim grim cartoony kind of style just mm, like all it's yeah. just a bunch of teeth and eyes all glaring at you <laughs> with scrag rot in the background with his big stick and his little rod with a spider on it <laughs> yeah oh god i love i love gloom spites i love all the age of factions oh so it's good. great isn't it <laughs> right what we got next uh we got the war cry anthology which obviously mm-hmm. going to be tie-in with the game that's by various people including People like Josh Reynolds. So, mm, again, it's going to yeah. be good because he always delivers and yeah. a few others. Um, a few other names says, I'm not really familiar with. Yeah, it says uh, it says there's six stories in the anthology. Do you think there's going to be one for each of the base uh, yeah. clans? Yeah. That's, that's a given, isn't it? I think, yeah. Mm. I think that sounds about sounds right. About right. Uh, <laughs> so, switching up to 40K, um, mm-hmm. there's the incredible as it says here the incredible new edition of the sabbat world's crusade background book so mm. it's going to be a huge huge book uh <laughs> obviously has links to gaunt's ghosts which i'm not overly familiar with because i've not yeah. ever read any of them have mm. you read any of them i have not either which is something i'm planning to actually fix <laughs> next week when i get paid <laughs> is i'm going to pick up the first gaunt's ghost book because I've, i keep hearing all these amazing things about it and it's such a big long-running series i think I, I want something to sink my teeth into like that, so I think I'll... Here, here's my promise to you guys. I'll dive into Gaunt's Ghost so I can actually understand what all this is about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, that's the thing. I, just sort of slightly off topic is that, mm. you know, obviously we re read things for the show and obviously we read stuff outside for, you know, our own, obviously, interest, but sometimes there's sort of holes where you're thinking, I know nothing about this sort mm. of thing because mm. you just, you know... It was, like I said, until I've read, like, going back to Gotrek, I hadn't read any of it. It's obviously, you know, they're deemed as classic. Same with Gaunt Ghosts. Everyone raves about them. I was like, I've just never got around to reading them. Um, yeah. And like I said, I think it's almost like our duty now, I think, to start mm. <laughs> catching <laughs> up on these things. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, nice. Uh, right. So, yeah, you got that. Um, um, what's next? Mephiston City of Light by Darius Hinks is the third book about Mephiston from the Blood Angels. Uh, and... Mm-hmm. We're getting another Dante book, Dante, Darkness of the Blood by Guy Haley, which yes. will apparently have a very nice limited edition. Uh, <laughs> tempting. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, so, uh, yes, we'll see. Uh, what else? Yep. And we're getting a Belisarius Call book. Yay. Oh, 
I think that could be interesting. Yeah. Mm. And looking at it, looking at the cover art, that looks Mm. like a scythe of the Emperor. Yeah. Primaris Marine. Going to the home world of the scythes of the Emperor. Mm. Apparently it has big ramifications for the law, so I guess we'll have to pick that one up. Uh, Yeah, I I was going to say, that's a a future episode already. (laughs) I always always forget just how freaking big Call is. I was like, that's, yeah, not, he's massive. that's not a marine. I zoom in, it's like, no, that's a Primaris marine coming up to Cole's elbow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just see his model, it's absolutely mm. massive. It's, yeah, mm. it's so easy to forget how big he is. So, yes. that, yeah, I think that would be a def. And it's, again, it's Guy Haley. He seems to be given these these big ones, doesn't he, really? If you mm. think he's had Dark Imperium, Plague yeah. War. Um, I mean, he does oh, good stuff with d- them, so. <laughs> oh, oh, God, yeah. Um, Devastation of Baal, you know, so mm. he's, he's the, he does. Like he he churns books out really oh, well, yeah. doesn't he? Like really quickly as well, considering mm. the the quality of them as well. He do, he's a yeah, he's a <laughs> machine. Must have a that very lad. good editor to help him. I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just let him do let him do whatever he wants. Mm. <laughs> uh, right next is uh, Knights of McCrag by Nick Kime, um, which focuses on Cato uh, Sicarius. Um, mm. So that'll be that could be quite interesting, especially obviously yeah, if you're we'll interested see. in the Ultramarines. Mm. Yes. Um, this next one, I'm, this again, this is one of the ones that I picked out in my head. I'm thinking, oh, mm. now this could be interesting. It's called Rites of Passage by Mike Brooks. Mm. Um, and it's about the political tale of a navigator house and all the treachery and backstabbing. I think that yeah. could be quite interesting, to mm. be honest. I'm, yeah. I'll be, I'm intrigued by that one. Again, this is one where the cover art is really selling me because, like, navigators are nobles. And, you know, the the cover is, you know, a guy sitting in a throne with a big sword and everyone's wearing crowns and circlets and stuff. And you go, oh, yeah, they're all nobles. Oh, wait, no, they're wearing the crowns and circlets to cover up their hideous third eye, which bleeds yep. warp light into reality and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm quite hyped about that one. I think that mm. could be quite fascinating. Yeah. Um, and then we got the next one we got is, again, one we've seen before, which is the next Vaults of Terror book, which is mm-hmm. The Hollow Mountain by uh, Chris Rate. Uh, mm. The first one is fantastic. Yeah. So I have no doubt this one will be <laughs> as well. Um, and you've got another of the Horizian Wars. Again, this is another series that I've been tempted to get into, mm. but never quite got around to it. Um, it's another Inquisition related book. This one's called Divination. Um, mm. Have you, again, have you read any of these ones? Nope. <laughs> really got to start. <laughs> really got yeah. to start getting these under under our thumbs. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, we're getting more Blackstone Fortress novelizations as well. Uh, we're getting mm-hmm. The Beast Inside, which is an audio drama by Darius Hinks. Uh, presumably all about the amble, uh, given the cover. Yep. <laughs> uh, which is going to be cool. Oh, uh, yeah. Janice Drake hunts the dreaded amble, uh, which... Hey, we'll get to hear what one sounds like. Um, and Vaults of, Ant- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Vaults of Obsidian is a short story anthology all about different explorers and expeditions inside the Blackstone Fortress, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. But big time news. The stuff I'm really honestly excited for. Novella series two. Some sneak Oh, peaks. yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Danny Ware's back with Wreck and Rune for more sisters. Uh, awesomeness. So, Inspired by our podcast yeah. name. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> um, we're getting Lords of the Storm by Eduardo Albert, which mm. is interesting. Uh, a chapter called The Fulminators, I guess, is what that's about. I've honestly never heard of them. 
but they're mentioned got, mm. in Blood of Ajax, I believe. Uh, they're, a, they're 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 connected to the Ultramarines. Yeah, I was going to say it looked like an Ultramarine, but then I thought he had a mm. Blood Angel shoulder pad. But no, it's instead of the Blood Drop, he's got a uh, Lightning Bolt. It's pretty cool. Uh, more from Nick Horth. We've got Thieves Paradise as well. Nice. It's one of these, which I'm really interested to see what that's about. Oh, that's an elf on the cover. I just realized, not a human. Uh, yep. Ears <laughs> give it away. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then The Measure of Iron by Jamie Crisali, which looks like it's going to be about the, um, the Iron Golems war cry faction, which interesting yeah. to see how they're going to start figuring into the overall Age of Sigma lore now that they're all the way out there. Yeah. Happy days. I mean, I mean, well, we've, we've loved this first series, so. Mm. Um, I, I I think they're perfect. The fact that you, know, you get a bundle for a reasonable mm. price. They're all, you know, they're once reasonable lengths. You can bash through them in a, like yeah. I do, a couple of lunch times and things like mm. that. It's, yeah, perfect. For, and also perfect for us to cover on a show. <laughs> when, yeah, when yeah, exactly. You want to quickly cover something. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, happy days. Um, and we're seeing more of Warhammer Adventures, which is, mm. again, very encouraging because there's always been a lot of positivity about these mm. books since they've come out, because obviously they were quite controversial, obviously, when they were first announced. <laughs> and now we're getting uh, Secrets of the Tau yep. and uh, Forest of the Ancients, obviously a Tau book and a Sylvaneth yeah. Yeah. one as well, which is be... very cool indeed. Yeah. I'm, I'm actually looking, really looking forward to the Tau one because it has the first ever menacing Tau on the cover. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's very um, Evil Emperor of Star yeah. Wars. <laughs> yeah, which I, I think that's good. That's what Tau should be from like a kid's adventure point of view. Tau should be like evil politics mm-hmm. kind of thing. Yeah, Cause they're, totally they're, all, they're all like good and wonderful until you learn about the forced sterilization work camps and things like that. <laughs> Thanks, Tau. I mean, I mean, you're probably still better than the Imperium, but... True. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, then we're getting even more Warhammer horror. Uh, mm. David Annandale will be writing something called House of Night and Chain, and C.L. Werner will be uh, writing a book called Castle of Blood. Uh, so we're getting two novels and audio drama. Uh, Alec Worley uh, wrote an audio drama called Watcher in the Rain, and presumably mm. the image is for that one, and I want to listen to this audio drama just from that it image. Looks- glorious to that oh my god it's so good <laughs> just <laughs> like that to me feels really horror and i know there were hmm. i'm not gonna say complaints but criticisms maybe of the previous warhammer horror books that they weren't really super horror just kind of more graphic hmm. um and yeah this this looks like that we could actually delve into some really creepy crawly stuff yeah it's very lovecrafty oh. in that image yeah. isn't it yeah it's so good <laughs> <laughs> uh switching up to necromunda we've got uh terminal overkill by mm-hmm. justin d hill yeah. and um we've got so that's what goliath against Escher, which mm-hmm. is bit, well which we saw in um oh, what was that one uh wanted dead by mike yep. brooks yep. in that novella that was very good so mm. more of the same we've got another cal jericho book um which i've never read any of it i've got one of his books uh, to mm. read at some point mm. um because they always got a good reputation that's called sinner's bounty yeah and it's by is... our favorite boy josh reynolds <laughs> yeah see I, I i was i didn't know he had connections with that to be honest mm. i've never I seen know. his name with you know with uh necromunda stuff i could be 
completely oblivious to in it. I was <laughs> <Yeah>. quite. <laughs> we probably are. Let's be honest. <laughs> yeah, probably. There's a lot out there. Oh man. Yeah. Um, um, and, the, and then we move on Horus to the Horus Heresy. God, there's still mm. more. Um, we're actually getting the origin story of uh, Constantin Valdor, Captain General of the Custodies. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, Valdor, Birth of the Imperium, is going to come out with a limited edition novel and then a standard edition six months later. Uh, it's by Chris Raitt, and it's, you know, it's basically about what Constantin Valdor did to help form the Imperium. And hopefully we'll get some juicy hidden secrets uh, about the Emperor, etc., yeah. etc. Et uh, Josh Reynolds is still, still, still at it. Oh my god, he's actually doing a lot in this as well. There's a lot of Josh Reynolds <laughs> books still as well. Um, so this is an audio drama, The Broken Chain, all about black shields during the heresy. Uh, the people who left their legion because le- their legion went bad. They didn't. Yep. <laughs> Um, cool. And then the next step after the Solar War, uh, in the Siege of Terror series is The Lost and the Damned. Mm. And it, it's got our, everyone's favorite lad, Sanguinius, right there, front and center on the cover, written by Guy Haley. Guy Haley again. Um, <laughs> <laughs> see, shock horror. <laughs> He's there churning mm. him out as well. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> it's and a glorious then, looking cover. Oh, it's so good. It's so great. It's like, Who's that in the background? It's like uh, Blood Angels, Guards, and Sanguinius in the background with some Cadian-style Imperial Guard in a trench in front of them. It's so good. Mm. But what's really got me excited is the third book. We've got the title Mm. and the author. The title is The First Wall. It's by Gav Thorpe, who, correct me if I'm wrong, teased something about Sigismund and Khan, I believe, on his Twitter a while back. Yeah, so, he did give a, mm. I think if he, I think if he hit something or, you know, got a mm. target of something, I said he was, he, he was going to reveal something, wasn't he? Yeah. And I think that yeah. may have been it. Yeah, mm. exactly. Oh, <laughs> so yeah, no matter what uh, universe you enjoy, there is a lot of good reading so material coming <laughs> and plenty for us to talk about as always. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so we'll no doubt be covering some of those in the near future when as and when they come out um mm. so we'll wrap up the last couple of little bits of news um we'll quick, quickly cover obviously contrast as of today the pre-orders are up now um i was busy in, in between the last break <laughs> trying to look at the prices um basically your contrast paints well here in the uk so i presume it's the same elsewhere as they'll be the same price as your technical paints um so the, the sort of big you know wash bottles at like well over here four pounds 75 so that is what a contrast paint yeah. not surprised you know they're going to be that sort of price really so um the sprays are around i think 11.75 for the you know for the primer sprays which is pretty reasonable um mm. yeah here they're coming you know as we said in the hobby section <laughs> <laughs> um and the last bit of news which has sort of just crept in last minute is the um how financially well games workshop yeah. are doing they're yeah. you know they're very very profitable they they've shared i think it said but is it five million pounds between yeah their staff you know as bo- for bonuses as, yeah you know we i think we covered <laughs> this in the last year or so was it last year yeah we, I they, think they we, did one about halfway through last year so after uh, i think not a few months from now, last year, so like ten-ish months ago, I think they did the same thing. Yeah, sounds about it's, right. And uh, it's at at the financial year they went. We had such a great financial year. Here you go, and I guess they're doing the same thing again. 
<laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it's great. I mean, obviously, you could argue, well, they charge enough <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, for things, well. which, you know, you can't <laughs> deny. Things are, aren't, this like we've always said before, it's not a cheap hobby. It's just, that's mm. just the way it's always been. But then, I, you know, the way I look at it, and it's probably what we said at the time, is that a healthy games workshop is a good games workshop mm-hmm. at the end of the day. This is a, you know, them going from strength to strength from a financial point of view is great because it means A, they're doing the right thing. It means B, that they can expand. C, they can Mm. potentially take risks. I'm not saying they will, but, you know, when you're more financially viable as a business, you tend to say, well, you know, we've got a bit of wiggle room here. We're not on the, you know, we're not on the bread line here. So we'll, you know, try something different and see if it works or not. Uh, I think this is great and fair play to, mm. you know, the staff that, you know, get uh, the bonus as well, because obviously, you know, all of them, you know, whether you're your local stores, the writers, the designers, you know, they're doing such yeah. a great job as we've, as we say every episode. So no, good on them. I'm, mm. I'm really glad Absolutely. about this. Yeah, they deserve it. Mm. They've been cranking out really good stuff, honestly. <laughs> yeah, like exactly. They, they deserve a bonus for contrast. all <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yeah, and I'm sure they're going to get one with uh, the amount that people are going to spend on it, including oh, ourselves. Oh, God, I'm going to have to have so many of these dang paints, but it's going to make life so <laughs> no, I easy. Know. I kind of just want to buy a tub of flesh terrors red, and anything I want to paint red just goes in there for a couple of hours. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Um, so, yeah, we've had a, a good, decent chunk of news to get through. Um and uh, when we're going to take our next break now, I think. Mm-hmm. I think we need it. And then we're going to get into our main law topic. So when we return, uh, things are going to get a little bit uh, naughty. We're going to get a bit excessive. Back soon. And welcome back, mortals. Mortals of excess and other such shenanigans and debauchery. We're finally... Getting to talk about the Head of Knights of Sinesh, a battle tome that came out a little while ago, but because I couldn't get my stuff sorted, I didn't have a copy in time to <laughs> when we were originally going to cover it. So mm. uh, apologies that this uh, topic is, you know, probably an episode or two late, but we're finally here. We we kept you wanting more, so which is quite appropriate <laughs> for what we're going to talk about. Mm-hmm. So yes, like I said, we're going to talk about the. Uh, head of head of yeah. head of knights of slash battle tome. Mm-hmm. Uh, just a very quick shout out to Alchemist Workshops for providing a copy of the battle tome to us. Much appreciated. Um, we mention them, obviously. Well, they're based here in the UK. And they're the the company that I buy my miniatures from, mm-hmm. um, and they're just damn good. They're <laughs> becoming a real pillar of our community. Mm-hmm. They do great discounts, great service. Um, so yeah, go check them out. The link will be for their website will be down in the description. Um, and again, big shout out and a big thanks for providing it. Right. Okay. So out there. So what we're going to do <laughs> for this one to be a bit different. Okay. When it comes to the battle tome coverage, obviously when we've covered battle tomes and codexes before, we tend to, you know, go through all the law, uh, you know, taking it in turns, you know, basically summarizing the each section and sort of talking at you <laughs> with the information. Um, but what we've decided to do with 
this one for a change is we're going to sort of almost cover it like we do when we cover a novel so rather than just like i said just us reeling stuff off um we're going to sort of almost have a, a i think they call it a conversation oh, God. Um, i think that's a, I, think, <laughs> I, I know i think that's a technical term so we'll <laughs> have a conversation about it. we're still going to cover the main bits of law uh in this so it's not we're going to skip over it it's just more that we're the way we sort of deliver it and yeah. we'll give our impressions how things link together and uh and it'll, i'll be honest it'll probably be us gushing over it for the next sort of 45 minutes or so because <laughs> <laughs> we were both very impressed with this uh battle tone okay so yeah and we'll just see how this way of delivering it goes okay mm, mm. right okay um obviously there's no sort of real blurb on the back to read out so i'll we'll just no. <laughs> i'll just ask you cameron what overall what was your impressions about the law in this battle time it was pretty dang fantastic <laughs> like <laughs> it's it's interesting because it doesn't advance the story as much as you might have believed when it initially came out i uh, like mm-hmm. no spoilers but slight spoilers slanesh is not free yet but it recontextualizes past information in a really interesting way, uh, i.e. about Slanish's imprisonment and things like that. And it adds a bunch of interesting, like, lore tidbits and future hooks for really setting up things. Like, I'm, pre- I'm pretty sure I mentioned this at some point. Like, I think Slanesh Breaking Free might be more, like, suitable for an addition change in the terms of how much of an event, how much of an impact it would have on the events of the story and things like that. So I'm happy with that, but overall there's a ton of really interesting info in here, there's a ton of really interesting hooks for future content, and it, yeah, like I said, it recontextualizes the whole imprisonment of Solanesh and sort of gives their side of the story, as it were, um, for what's going on with that. Yeah, yeah, no, I'd, I'd agree with that. I think that, I mean, I, I'm going to, I'm going to throw it out there, I think this is you know, actually one of the best tomes I've read, mm. I think, actually. I think if you, uh, I, th- I think probably the, the one I've enjoyed the most so far when, that we've covered is probably the Deepkin one. I yeah. really enjoyed the Ideneth Deepkin stuff because I think fair. it was fascinating. <laughs> and this stuff is is equally as good in its own way. Like you said, it it is, um, it is just more reinforcing the current situation as opposed yeah. to driving things yeah. forward. But then I suppose the flip side is Slanesh is playing catch-up from the law perspective because mm. he's sort of you know been dormant or not you know we're not really sure what he's been doing but well, he's been trapped we know that but obviously yeah. we don't know really how that's affecting his followers so mm. uh i think that they've done the right thing because i think if they dramatically set it forward you'd be like hang on we're trying to catch up on what's going yeah. on and then it yeah. gets thrown forward so they probably like you said they've now thr- thrust them now right okay you're on the same same playing field as all the other factions and all their law and then like i said in time when we see more expansions more novels more whatever then they can you know push it forward so i think yeah. no i think yeah. they've done the right thing um the only thing i would say is which is a slight shame based on the back of that is mm. i just wish there was more you know yeah. at this time i suppose yeah. it's just being you know being being greedy or, or being <laughs> gluttonous uh, <laughs> um because the actual details of some of the bits of law that we're obviously going to talk about shortly are great. Mm. Some of the some of the uh, some of the graphic descriptions yeah. of events and how things happen are fantastic. I mean, mm. there's some bits in this that are not for the faint-hearted. There's some quite <laughs> you know quite grim descriptions mm. of stuff, mm. which I know people again you, will get used to. But it's yeah, you know, you, mm. you do see some insights. You think, ooh, that's that's pretty grim, but. You know, it's the, it's the Nash. What do you expect? Yeah. And again, I think what 
it nicely does is uh, which again we'll cover is that it nicely reinforces that it's not about this sort of sexual side that has always mm. had this this stigma that's come with Snanesh over time, you know, where it's always like, oh, it's just it's just boobies and, you know, and yeah. weird stuff like that. I mean, yeah. that's still part of it. It's still, there mm. is that whole um, entrancing of mortals and things like that, but it's not, a, you know, it's more, like you've, like you've said m- many times on this show, you've obviously mm. pushed that it's about the extremes of, of excess. It's not yeah. about orgies that's just mm. one little mini <laughs> part of it it's the whole grander picture yeah. um and i think they've done they've done it very well i think anyway so mm. so yeah so um actually let's talk about slanesh in, in, <laughs> in what he's, well, what's he been up to and and uh you know so you know we know that obviously from when we cover the deepkin and other things we know that obviously at the end of the the world that was he ate most of the elves yeah you know there was only literally in the grand scheme of things a handful left which are basically hanging around the realms hence Mm. you know these these elves that are just in in the cities and and things like that um but what i thought was quite uh interesting is how sinesh sort of came about into the mortal realms because obviously you know sort of before the whole imprisoning thing obviously he's just been you know greedy he's like oh like you know he's been to a, he's been to an elf buffet and he's like yeah. oh oh man this is uh, they're so good but i you know i, I shouldn't eat anymore and it's you know mm. it, that sort of situation and it sort of sent out what i think was called the subtle war yeah so you know you've got this situation of like i think it's like whispers and you know there's you know all the followers are starting to bend the ears of mm. the mortals and i think that's something that uh, i suppose you agree with me that that's one thing that, that comes across all the way through the time is about manipulating mortals isn't it that oh, yeah. seems to be the real yeah. thing i know you get that with the other powers especially like zinch and things like that but this is it's very driven and that's one thing i think you need to understand about the head knights it is all about the fact that they they manipulate the demons and obviously snash or all about manipulating these mortals because Let's be honest, us mortals, myself, yourself, Cameron, we're, we're weak. We yeah. Know. yeah. <laughs> we, 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 we know we are. <laughs> exactly. You know, we're, we're, addic- you know, well, we are, aren't we? We're perfect Sineshi followers, oh, yeah. aren't we? We, we, we're addicted to, to gray plastic crack. <laughs> you know, we, we jump around from one thing to another. Um, you know, we lavish in it, mm. you know, and, you know, there's high highs or, low lows when you know something doesn't come to plan um yeah you know i think that we, we'd be perfect we'd be, oh, yeah. we would be yeah head of nights if we could be <laughs> um but uh unfortunately we got we, we don't have time for that we've got to do a podcast yeah <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah so what, what do you what do you sort of you know uh, from a this perspective what's your sort of take on the fact that you know this is how sinesh works do you think that's the the sort of the right way he's he's portrayed this sort of manipulation side of things i think absolutely because like the thing is this is difficult phrase i'm trying to say it properly so i don't say something stupid um uh the dangerous thing about vices is always an excess of them and how you build up to that excess like for example i'm not saying go out and do heroin but if you took one shot of heroin like once a month for your entire life, you probably wouldn't be that bad off. But you're <laughs> never going to do that, is the problem. No, no. 
problem is you take one shot of heroin once a month and the next month you take one is like after a couple of weeks you're like actually i could do with one now and then a few days are like and one now and then every couple of hours you're like yeah okay maybe now and then eventually you well presumably long before that point you've probably harmed yourself beyond repair but like this is much (laughs) the same in that it always should start really subtly and um passing out of this book momentarily uh the book fulgrim from the horus heresy series i think did this really well with um the artists that were under the influence of slanesh in they started being more and more focused on their work and going to greater and greater lengths to get just the correct materials for their work and becoming more and more debased in what their works portrayed but it took time and it took multiple exposures to these things because what's exciting for a follow Slanesh is like that initial thrill of doing something taboo or doing something new and interesting. And then you try it again and it's suddenly not that good anymore. And so you go a little further and a little further mm. and a little further. And eventually, you know, you're in the middle of full blown 666. You know, you've got six <laughs> cultists in a circle, then six sacrifices in a circle, then six more cultists in a circle. You do this six times, and then a demonette appears and kills you. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Like, it is it is that slow, degrading path. And there's actually lots of really interesting stuff in here. For example, the Seraphon symbols for Slanesh apparently is an angular spiral with each mm. twist symbolizing a decision that pulls you further down into corruption. So, like, yeah. the idea is there's all these little moments, and that's what really also makes it more valuable, is there were all these chances for you to turn back and say no, but you decided <laughs> to forge forwards deeper into depravity, and that makes you more valuable to Slanesh. It shows your devotion, uh, yeah. even if you don't know it yet. <laughs> <laughs> not, yeah, that's actually a good point to say, actually, about not knowing it yet, because that's what I think I like about this whole, which they said is called the subtle war and obviously the way that Sinesh plays things out. Everything is always, nothing, even though everything's extreme, well, sorry, leads to it, stuff that's extreme, it's always a gradual process. It's never, like you said, it's not going from one, it's literally from, you know, you're there, you know, smoking your pipe and slippers to then, you know, orgies with, you know, with, uh, mm. with cultists and stuff. It doesn't like, you know, you don't go, that's not like a literally an overnight thing. It's just like, it's like a small thread or a small breadcrumb where you go, Oh, I'm really into this. Mm. And then like you said, you put, and it's, it's a very human thing. And that's why, you know, why the, he, you know, Sanesh gets his followers because like we said, you know, humans, especially are just weak in general. We're, we're, mm. you know, we're greedy. We want more. Um, and, and, you know, we, we, we give it, you know, we always want, we're never often happy with what we've got. You know, we always mm. want to get, said, push those sort of boundaries. And like I said, you're playing into Sinesh's hands. And, you know, I love the fact, like you just mentioned about the, the seraphon with the spot, you know, the spirals mm. is the fact that, 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 um, Sinesh never appears the same twice. Yeah. I like the fact that, you know, he, he, you know, he, in one sense, he, I think he even gets described as being music. Yeah, but to some races, yeah. he is literally notes on a page yeah. and the tune that goes with it. Yeah, in whereas some others he can be screaming face. It's not allowed. It's bad to say no. Slanesh, so we write this six bars of music instead. Yeah, it's <laughs> just that's so. Oh, I don't know. I just I yeah. don't know how to describe it. That's it's just so, so out there, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> it's 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 awesome, and 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 obviously that's where. You know, obviously mm. the fact it's all that like I said about vices and things like that's where things like poets and dancers and things mm. like that come into it. That's often why they're the ones that often get 
you know, manipulated easily or first because obviously they, you know, they're into a thing, you know, music mm. is very emotional generally, you know, th- yeah. and poetry writing that, you know, it's all these things that are done for, for amusement or fun or, you know, creative thinking. And mm. again, Sanesh loves this sort of stuff because they're the ones that, you know, that get, can often get pushed further than, yeah. than even more. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's, it's awesome. And, mm. and the other thing I thought that was really cool that it highlights is the fact that, is how now now that Sanesh is sort of back into the mortal realms as such because like I said he's you know he's gutsed himself on elves mm-hmm. is the fact that he's almost the underdog but, but he likes the fact that he's the underdog mm-hmm. as well the fact that you know it specifically mentions that the other chaos gods um are almost slightly scared of him because in mm-hmm. in some ways they actually feel like he could be the most powerful chaos yeah. god out of all yeah. of them which for a lot of people is a like really you know because often he well don't don't you agree because i think so mm. often sanash gets seen as is the small out uh, of main four he's the you know the one down the bottom he's the one that often either gets yeah. forgotten about or yeah. it's you know it's all corn and nurgle yeah basically. well it's because people don't realize exactly how dangerous slanesh is because again it's the mm. subtlety because everyone goes you know the chaos gods focus on one emotional thing you know, Nurgle is about despair with the aspects of disease being a prevalent way of doing it. Zinch is about hope with the aspects of change. And Corn is about anger and rage with the aspects of bloodshed. And Slanesh is obviously about lust with the as- aspect of excess. No, Slanesh is about excess with an aspect of lust. And so, <laughs> yes. you know, there, there's Good things, point. you know, the predictable contempt of Corn, the generous sentimentality of Nurgle, the treachery of the Horned Rat, and the self-defeating complexity of Zinch all actually feed into Slanesh. And there's... Oh God, what's that line? There it is. Um, There's always a suspicion that the Dark Prince will rise like a sin-soaked phoenix from the fires <laughs> of incarceration. I'm like, that's so good. Oh. But like, <laughs> and and the, the, to be fair, the thing is, they have legitimate reason to be afraid of him because... Before he was imprisoned, he was actually the strongest Chaos God. He was mm. so full of power from Elven Souls and so uh, and so prevalent in the realms. Like, there's the thing. There's a thing in here where it's like, but as people move from barbaric life to civilization-based life, you know, nomadic to civilized life, life would probably be a better way of saying it. It becomes much harder to escape certain forms of excess. Like, you mm-hmm. need to have these certain things to function in society. You need to have this, and having more is always good. And, you know, there are a point where new empires begun and couldn't actually escape through social change the excess that was consuming <laughs> nearby empires. It was like, why yeah. should we hold ourselves back? That empire just across the road, they're mining as much salt mm. as they want. Why should we care for the environment, <laughs> yeah. et cetera, et cetera? All that kind of uh, politics. Um, <laughs> but, like... The idea of Slanesh is this spreading disease throughout all of all of creation. Like, mortals will always, to some degree, end up serving Slanesh, <clears throat> whether through just devotion to a single thing. Hey, do you hate chaos? Do you hate chaos so much that you think about it every day and you work towards yeah. your goal of defeating chaos every day? Congratulations, you're empowering Slanesh. <laughs> yeah. By default, every emotion, yeah. every, any, you know, whether it's good or bad. And, mm. and yeah, that plays really nicely into, into his empowerment. And I said, by definition, he could end up becoming the, the most power, powerful God. And mm. I think that's, I love it. I lo- everyone loves a good underdog <laughs> story. <laughs> and, and this is, uh, this is one of them, but also it shows that how much he's taken advantage of the naivety of mm. the, like, especially the early mortal realms, because obviously yeah. after the world that was where things are, 
you know, are pretty open, to be honest, as we know from the, like, the age of myth, the age of chaos and mm. things like that, um, until we get to obviously now the age of Sigmar. And it, it's great that obviously he's then <laughs> like jumped on these mortals that are like, who don't know any better, you know, mm. and, and, the, and take them to these uh, massive extremes. It's, it's quite sad, but quite, you know, interesting at the same time. Mm. Um, I'll move on to his imprisonment. Because <laughs> I think yeah. that's obviously quite a crucial <laughs> thing. Um, obviously, when we covered like the Idenath Deepkin, for example, that was sort of the early mm-hmm. sort of bits of lore that yeah. sort of explained obviously yeah. how what has happened to Slanesh. He's in, been imprisoned and uh, like, technically is still there yeah. as of the uh, the current law. And mm-hmm. but it, which is quite amusing actually, and the book sort of covers it. There's a sort of slight irony with it that obviously, you know, in some ways. You know the the elven gods have done. You know, have, have sort of they've they've high fived themselves. You know, mm. you've got mm. uh, you've got uh, Tyrion, Teclas, Valerian, and obviously demigod Marathi have mm. basically teamed up to you know baited uh, Sanesh. You know, because obviously you know even though he's so gorged on elves, he's like oh mm-mm, elven gods. Mm. Mwah! You know, chef kissed to these, uh, you know, these t- these tasty uh, elves right in front of him, and obviously they use that to imprison him in the uh, the hidden gloaming, which is basically like this sort of you know in between the two realms of uh, light and shadow. Um, what I quite found amusing is the fact that that because he's imprisoned, which obviously has made him you know initially go crazy because obviously he mm. can't. He's basically suppressed in this in the, this sort of this cell so to speak um what i love though is the fact that he because obviously it's made sanesh uh feel a extreme version or in this case of like anger you know resentment Mm. uh frustration you know all the things like i need to get out it's actually he's turned that to his advantage Mm. and i think that's you know similar to what you were saying you know before that every emotion whether it's good or bad or anti or you know whatever mm. against you still feeds him in a way that's what they've done even yeah. though they've done what they think is the great he's he's out the way now <laughs> yeah he is out the way so to speak but it's not stopping him you know using this situation to escape and obviously mm. yeah. uh, have an impact on the mortal realms um yeah so what do you, what's your sort of take on that uh i think it's really cool <clears throat> um I really like the more details we got about how they actually, you know, got him. Because all we had before was those four elven gods, including Marathi for the number four there, uh, went and stood in between the realm of light and shadow, and Slanesh came along and they trapped him. Um, and now, interestingly enough, we know with a ritual 66 years in the making, mm-hmm. that's important. That's Slanesh's number. Hmm. Maybe he had something to do with this. Um, he's basically, we know he's being held in balance between the realms. We now know that it's because he's bound with magic made from purely from the realm of light and purely from the realm of shadow that basically covers its own holes. Like it shouldn't exist, but these gods of these realms have worked to make it somehow exist. And it's so weird and inexplicable that even Slanesh can't figure out how to break free immediately is the idea. Hmm. Uh, and you know it also it's not fun to be chained up uh when you're (laughs) the essence of emotion and excess to be sort of chained into not a physical form but like a comprehensible form is probably not great uh and then they go ahead and start you know stomach pumping you (laughs) 
<laughs> essentially. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. just like an insult to injury at that point. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, it, it's really cool because, you know, it, for a time it was a fantastic success. Like, Slanesh, mm. he didn't lose power necessarily, but he lost a lot of standing and he lost the ability yeah. to exercise that power because he, he's stuck. He can't influence any of the mortal realms directly. He can't leave. And he can't call his followers to him because almost all his followers are mortal and thus can't really exist here because this is in between realms. Yeah. There's not, there's not a physical space for them, really, except for the pillars and you have to know how to get there, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, I think, I think it's really good that we get this deeper look into what actually happened there instead of, they got him. Oh, boogity boogity. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, it, it, and it also creates that great situation where the his followers are like, "Well, where where is he? Where is mm. he gone? Mm. Like, why is he not talking to us anymore?" <laughs> um, it's which obviously we knew about, and obviously it, it, it ties in nicely with obviously the different hosts of Sanash as well. You know, which we're obviously going to again get into where they're, you know, obviously that's mm. where you get the god seekers, pretenders, and invaders because yeah. obviously they got they're all different um, ways of dealing with this <laughs> situation where they, you know, their god has literally just disappeared without mm. uh, leaving a memo of any sort. <laughs> so, um, I, I think it, it's in it's quite interesting the fact that that uh, these elven gods, <sighs> to me, they've come across quite um arrogant with it as well mm. you know almost like i mean i suppose in in one sense it's a fantastic thing like wow you've managed to trap a chaos god i mean that's yeah. no small feat but and obviously it's brought together you know entities that would have been enemies at one point obviously mm. the, the old world high elves versus dark elves but it, at the same time it's like really can you trap mm. a chaos god forever Not you know forever. especially one like this no it's, <laughs> this is you know this is just putting a, a plaster over it it's not you're not going to suppress him for you know forever um but we'll uh, actually we'll talk about the uh <laughs> the way he's trying to break out because i think that's obviously quite quite mm. important yeah um and again it, it, this is what i think like what you're saying earlier where okay he's still trapped at this moment in time but he just mm. now shows which way they're going with this obviously you know slowly one step at a time he is breaking the chains which will yeah. i'm sure at some point will mean he will escape we, oh, yeah. we won't know for a while but i'm sure that's yeah. the the plan um, well and that that's the thing is like each of these chains has a trick to it right mm-hmm. but slanesh is a chaos god so once he's broken through enough he can literally just flex and bust out of the rest of them effectively. <laughs> because, like, yeah, yeah, the, the, it is a compounding effect of there's so many of these at once, they each stop me from doing a different thing. But if I break enough in the right order, <clears throat> I can just brute force my way out. But, uh, yeah, so, oh, shall we just, shall we just skip right to the chain stuff and go back and look at <laughs> the other things? I mean, what were, yeah, sort of skipping yeah. around the order a little, but, yeah, no, that's fine. Yeah. So, what well, you want to go back to the, the uh, like the, what the Slanesh Palace and things like that? Yeah, we or? can go back to those. Might as well while we're on the subject of how Slanesh is chained, cover that. Yep. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, basically Slanesh thrives in intensity. The chains are very painful. Uh, they are mm-hmm. sort of mind numbing, but physically agonizing, and also having souls drawn out of you. But that's what Slanesh is all about. And after a while, he sort of was able to think clearly and begin examining the chains around him. 
And it, it took him centuries uh, to basically send the tiniest sliver of his own essence out of the prison and started, you know, coming in dreams to head knights and l- subtly leading them to what needed to be done. Uh, you know, this moment of contact. But hundreds and hundreds of schemes are set forth. Um, and I really like, again, this is super subtle. This is a lot mm-hmm. of subtlety. But it also relies on there being weak links outside the actual chains themselves. There can't be one chain that he can start with if he can't understand the chains. And yep. I love the idea of all these keepers of secrets going out and essentially grabbing elves on their lunch break <laughs> and shaking them down like, tell us about the chains. What did you do? <laughs> Where is he? Tell me. I'll give you a wedgie otherwise. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, and It's awesome, isn't it? Yeah. And then even after that, not, no one who had realized they'd accidentally given that information up told anyone about it. And it's mm. unclear whether that's a spell from Slanesh or if it's just, well, it's one chain. And Marathi will absolutely kill me if I say anything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, Malarian's bad. Marathi's really bad. She should not know about this. <laughs> <laughs> no. It's a, I think it's a great way, it's a, like a great narrative way to deal with this. The fact that, mm. you know, he's thinking, right, I'm stuck in these chains. I don't know how to break them. There must be something. I just need, you know, it's almost like I said, it's almost like you need the passcode to mm. start seeing the weakness because obviously the one key thing to understand with these chains, like you said earlier, the fact that obviously this combination of light and shadow, obviously mm. the light effectively is the, the thing holding him in, but the shadow is the thing that's basically the threads that stopping you finding the puzzle so yeah, just, you know the, yeah. the where the weakness the chink in the armor thinking well i've got these chains and i don't know what to do with any of them and mm. and the fact it's not obvious initially that each chain requires a different thing to get rid of it yeah which is obviously quite clever like you said it's rather than like you know it's not it'd be like having one key that unlocks all of them you've got 66 keys for all mm. 66 yeah uh chains which you know i think is fantastic and and one thing i really enjoyed in this is the fact that it explains wh- like when it, it gives a couple of examples of how mm. um <laughs> how he gets rid of some of the chains I, I i must admit the one that really i enjoyed i think was the um the corn one which yes. is the chain of purest hatred yeah where basically obviously we know the old rivalry between slanesh and corn the mm. fact that they obviously they because they're the, the two almost the two opposites of each other so they actually yeah. hate each yeah. other um and the fact that obviously the, to get rid of this chain um basically slanesh gets a or via sort of manipulation gets mm. uh, a infernal uh rapturous to steal this this axe of corn mm. obviously it pisses off corn um <laughs> and naturally he then sends karanak uh to go and uh obviously retrieve this Mm. Um, this axe and obviously you get this sort of cat and mouse game yeah, between yeah. between Karanak and this uh, in Rapturous um, which obviously annoys Korn because I like, just mm-hmm. get my bloody axe back um, <laughs> ends up with Karanak being killed um, and then obviously Korn gets so pissed off at this that he, he basically and just roars which goes through all the mortal realms basically so much so that it then in turn breaks the chain because obviously mm. what the key thing to break this particular chain of all the 66 is the fact that you had to basically, you know, make your worst enemy, you know, show that pure hatred for you, which mm. is obviously what happened. And yeah. I think what was really clever is what we see is that 
and again showing the power of Snash is he then he basically puts a fake chain back in mm. place yeah. so obviously the chain breaks but obviously he, it's still being guarded so you know so he, mm. he you know basically does a uh, you know a spell or you know some magic that basically puts the puts the <laughs> chain back in place so no no nothing yeah, yeah, you know it's I'm like yeah. Nope. Nope. No, it's still there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I actually really like that one too because it's like weaving the stuff we're doing in Age of Sigma into like the actual story. Because Karanak chasing the Infernal Rapturous, that was the Wrath and Rapture box, and like yep, all the games exactly. people played with that was this. Um, there was there was also uh, some pretty good ones. Like the the easiest one to break was um. <laughs> The chain of cosmic laws, like, the universe is like this. It will always be like this. And as long as it's like this, this chain will never break. And then Nagash inverted the flow of magic in the realm of death and changed how the universe <laughs> yeah. works. Uh, immediately <laughs> yeah. shattering, immediately shattering the chain. Um, but, uh, it also damaged a bunch of the, um, the shadow magic around each of the chains. So Slanesh mm-hmm. actually spotted the secrets for dozens and dozens of the chains at once. So he knows exactly what he's working to because of that. Um, and you know, I think this is interesting because he's only broken three chains, right? Yeah. Overall, out of 66. But he knows how to break most of the rest of the chains and he only needs to break so many. So it's not yeah, like, exactly. this is not going to our trouble saying Slanesh is staying in the freezer <laughs> for another three years. You know, he could be, so, he could be out in a year or two for all we know. Yeah. But like, yeah, I, again, I really feel like next edition or something like that, the big thing is going to be Slanesh gets loose. Something like that. Yeah. Cause like, I'd say so. Because mm. I think, to be honest, him breaking these chains one by one and then he's still trapped there for, mm. you know, forevermore in the story would be quite, of a bit of a letdown, really, wouldn't yeah. it? So I think, yeah, like, it, I think they need to let him concept out. to play with, and it's really mm. interesting to have a god in that position, but he can't be there forever. I feel no. like, <laughs> like, and then you know you can do a big cool thing like Slanesh Ascendant. Here's the cool campaign thing. Here's all the cool stuff, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. <laughs> but yeah, and then um, the 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 third the second chain he broke was the chain of utmost betrayals. How do you feel about this chain, by the way? Because I quite liked this one. So it's this one where they got the uh, the like the good guys like you know Stormcast to turn on the innocents and things like that. Yeah. Is that that one? Yeah, yeah that that was interesting because yeah because basically you've got um, obviously different um, protect it was the ones that protect the weak literally mm. culling the, the ones yeah. that they're trying to protect because I think from memory you've got like the the celestial vindicators because mm-hmm. um, they they're in charge of a particular city called uh, Vindicarum so yeah. basically they're they're and they're they're the ones they're almost like the Batman of, um, <laughs> of that city where you know the the bad guys don't obviously want to do anything in front of them because mm. they know obviously what will happen but then basically you know through mm. combination of like cults and things like that and then unrest you got like Zinch cults in Excelsis which we know about obviously when we've done City of Secrets and things like that yeah. and obviously you basically got them against the Knights Excelsior uh, you got Nurgle in um, in Vidia, 
in yeah, Nvidia and uh, mm. Vidania as well. So I think that's great. I think that's just because it's so you know if you think you know if, especially if Sigmar's watching that he must be raging. Oh when yeah, he's seeing the kid. What are yeah. you doing? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you had some real bad ones. Like I think in Vindicar, I'm like a qu- three quarters of the population was wiped yeah. out. Yeah, you know, it was like a complete purge. It was t- it was terrible. Yeah. <laughs> and then you know the Knights Excelsior over in Excelsis did what they do best and killed literally anyone who was just in their way um yeah, God. <laughs> yeah. those those uh, everything i hear about the nice excelsior makes me like and fear them more because <laughs> the first time yeah. i heard any mention of them was in the daughters of cain book where they were the one sigma the, they were the one storm host that went hey these daughters of cain are actually pretty all right i like their style yeah, <laughs> yeah. and they've just yeah. gone worse they get the job done there <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh amazing uh yeah so mm. but yeah the the whole situation um with the change uh, chains is awesome i think i think like i said mm. the, and let's be honest as each narrative things happen we can get updates you know oh, like, yeah. do, 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 and how many chains have we got left <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> so, <laughs> we'll see um like i said we'll switch it up to mm. uh the domain of sanesh yes. now quickly just sort of just go give a Nothing quick good. rundown of what's up Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the one. So, so like Sinesh's palace is basically surrounded by six little sort of sub realms, mm. um, which is basically flesh wastelands and like decadence and things like that. Um, which again is an open thing for mortals to like mm. come aboard, come in. We won't bite, not yet anyway. Um, but I, I found the six circles, these like little six, little, mm. six little, uh, realms. Um, I thought they were fantastic. I think oh, this yeah. is like you said when when I was saying earlier about some of the graphic things that you read in this battle tome. This is quite mm. um, thing. You, was there any particular favourites of yours? These um, six. I, I honestly really like all of them. Uh, they mm-hmm. are all really great because this is like this is the six deadly sins of the mortal realms. Effectively, yeah, basically. Um, they're not hundred. I guess the one that's not there would be wrath, which is fair because it's. It's a Warhammer game. You've got to be angry all the time. You can't be bad just with that. <laughs> yeah, that's Korn's um, job. Yeah, that's Korn's job. I honestly really, really like uh, the Circle of Paramountcy, uh, which is <laughs> yeah. you show you walk into this circle after going through three circles already. You're halfway there. You're doing so well, and you walk out onto a balcony, and there's this enormous army arrayed to see you. There are all these followers and courtiers on like lower balconies looking up to you. You're their new king. You have to give them their commands. And basically, the idea here, I believe, is if you basically fall prey to this, you end up becoming one of those people. Because, like, yeah, yeah, there's, there is, this is the idea of power. You know, power is addictive and compulsive and everything. But if you fall prey to it, you'll become another cog in the machine, etc. That kind of deal. Uh, mm-hmm. And everyone there has doubts and all these gnawing paranoias and things that are sort of acidic to the soul uh so it's not good to stay there either i don't know what's your favorite circle (laughs) um i would say probably gluttony um Mm -hmm. i think it was just because of the the actual description where that's gluttony (laughs) <laughs> it's, it's disgusting it's basically like a land of gold like trillions of golden teeth um <laughs> that lead to a, a lake of wine hence why mm. i made that reference earlier in the yeah, show yeah. um and you've got the, basically these banquet tables that have been made 
or have sort of basically been constructed off the the backwards hands of giants. So basically, the mm. giants are sort of head down, like you know, in like a Drinking almost like the a wine, presumably. Yeah, like a yeah, in like a sort of fetal <laughs> position, sort of forward. Mm. And obviously, their their hands are you know pointing back up, or their palms, I should say, are pointing back upwards. They've been made into banquet table tables, mm. and basically, these mortals are stuffing their face so much that they literally they literally burst. Mm. <laughs> it's like mm. this. I mean, obviously, that is the epitome of gluttony but it's yeah. just that actual representation is mm. absolutely vile <laughs> it really yeah. is yeah um but i like I, like you i like them all you got you know oh, avidity yeah. is is basically full of treasure and it's basically mm. people that are counting it and then they're counting so much that if you know all the gold then falls and they got to start again and it's almost yeah. like a loop where yeah. they basically um turn into statues which mm, is uh mm. which is really cool um you've got carnality which is like basically beautiful dancers and beast uh dancing sort of you know half naked mm. and enticing and then basically rip them apart mm. uh you've got um the vainglory which is basically the uh, internal woodland maze that like whispers glories you know into mm. and, like keep going further into maze and you know basically um don't find your way out yeah um um, and then you got the what's the one? Is it indolency? indolency the uh, yeah. yeah, the the sunny beach one. You know, you yep. think you're on a holiday. Yep. <laughs> you think you made it, it and... for a moment, you just go to sleep on the beach forever. <laughs> yeah, which is quite a nice little play into the deepkin, actually, in a way, mm. because obviously we we know that when obviously the deepkin take the souls of people, it basically puts them into a coma. So mm. it's sort of yeah. you know it's got some sort of uh, parallel there. So yeah. um, and basically the sand is made of the bones that of people that have rested there. It's quite mm. eerie. Um, but basically, if you've made your way through all six of these circles, you end up at the actual palace of Slanesh itself, which is like this big fortress on a on a serpent yeah. nest. And you've got like the Temple of Twisted Mirrors, which means you see like all these different reflections of yourself. Again, similar mm. to what we saw in Shadespire, actually, yeah. Um, yeah. which obviously leads to, you know, to madness. Um, but I think what is quite chilling about this when you, well, in comparison to all the things you just read, is the fact that Slanesh isn't there anymore. And it's yeah. just, it says like just yeah. the scent of former orgies. It's like, mm. it's like, oh, you just got this musk of what's been happening yeah. there, but it's, yeah. it's barren. Nothing, mm. he's not there anymore. Yeah. Well, no, we, we know he's trapped. That, that's the thing previously. If you made it through all the former six circles and made it to Slanesh's temple, your final fate would be you would see Slanesh. You could, you would be tempted no matter what and you would fall. Yeah. Cause like, God, yeah. Feel I was talking with someone. There was a story or short story. I think it was a Grey Knight of some kind went through the six circles and got to the Palace of Slanesh and saw a small child who needed to be protected, <laughs> and that was when he fell or, or was killed at the very least or whatever. Because Grey Knights never fall, etc. Yada yada yada. I believe. Uh, I, yep. I never actually read that story myself, but someone told me about it, and it sounded like it's the idea of. There is something that can tempt you. It will be there because that's what Slanesh is. Slanesh is like temptation to excess incarnate. Yeah. Well, cool. But let's talk about (laughs) the actual the actual head knights themselves in all their glory. Uh, Yes. First off, we got there's the three different hosts, uh, which Mm -hmm. I'm sure people are familiar with. You've got invaders, pretenders, and god seekers. These are the three different ways of going about business while Slanesh is out. Um, And. Uh, invaders are actually, I think, really cool because they go business as usual. Slanesh is yep. gone. That's fine. We'll just keep doing what we've always done and Slanesh will eventually be back. Um, <laughs> so their thing is they, they basically just speed around invading the realms and causing absolute havoc. And that's the way they worship Slanesh. And one day Slanesh will come back and bless them for it. Uh, and actually yep. a lot of, a lot of them already seem blessed. 
they at the very least seem to have really good luck. Uh. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, yeah. And then we got the um, the pretenders, which are basically the ones that they're the sort of the ones that basically think they're gods. They think they've mm. sort of basically taken his place. Uh, he's yeah. like, well, he's gone because it's left room for us now. Mm. You know, there's there's a there's space in that uh, on that throne now, so we'll we'll take it there. I think personally, this is probably my favourite host mm. is the pretenders because mm. I love the fact that they they think that because he's gone, they're, they're so arrogant that they think they could literally yeah. take his place, which. Yeah reality is they would never obviously be able to do that and i love the fact that that when like they are like say you've got a keeper of secrets for example that's a pretender uh when they arrive they're literally like all their followers are applauding them and uh like oh can i touch you please and like and the, the fact that they've got other followers that follow them around going mm. and like trying to impress them because obviously yeah. in their eyes that is the new slanesh this oh, new yeah. You know, this new pretender um, warlord is their new god. And mm-hmm. I love the fact that, that and this was what I wasn't sort of expecting, is the fact that if, like, a pretender dies, that mm. the fact the followers go crazy with grief, because they, they, it's almost yeah. like Sinesh has literally died in front mm. of him. And it's got this weird image that this Keeper of Secrets <laughs> has just been killed, finally. And then all these demonettes and followers are like, no! no. <laughs> and it's like, like Sinesh has died, and, yeah. going, and, then they, yeah. and then they go crazy. But I love the fact that... Mm after all that grief they've gone through, the fact that, that when another pretender comes along, they're like, mm. oh, okay, we're, we're yeah. fine now, we'll this follow you instead. This one has to be the real Slanesh. That <laughs> yeah. guy wasn't. He died. He can't be Slanesh. <laughs> fake. <laughs> oh, man. And this the pretenders actually has a great little, like, short story um, about some free guild who keep having bad dreams and then a Slanesh pretenders host shows up and they're like, wonder what that thing's name is and they're like oh it's probably chasha gansa slanazar or something it's like where the fuck did you hear that name <laughs> <laughs> slips off the tongue like that yeah yeah it just slips off the tongue you know whatever yeah i'll go oh you guys open fire i'm just gonna go downstairs and open the gate <laughs> <laughs> do, do, do. <laughs> oh dear <laughs> it is awesome. I I, yeah. I like the fact that they're so different as well to to each other. Mm. Yeah, you know, these uh these hosts. Um Yeah. And uh yeah, and of course we've got the the god seekers. These are the ones that we sort of saw hinted about in the again, I think in the Deepkin uh yeah. battle tone. Where these are the ones that have basically are constantly on the hunt for Sanash. Mm. They're like, "Where is he? <laughs> he's around." And they're looking under <laughs> rocks and in caves yeah. and things like that. Yeah. Like, he's got to be somewhere. <laughs> they had that. Um, they had that great malign porn short story where they had a chariot with a mutant lashed to the front, and the mutant had this enormous nose, and it was literally following like traces of Slanesh's scent or something. <laughs> yeah. God, so good. Yeah, Th- these guys are basically these are the ones who are like Slanesh is gone, and we have to bring him back. So they're invading everywhere, but they are going as fast as possible. As opposed to invaders who are just invading for the heck of it. Uh. Yeah. It's, I've just got this image of like, because obviously the, this is obviously the, the fast host. These are the ones that are predominantly lots of like chariots yeah. and things like that. I love the fact that they, they target the, like, you know, the, the nobles, you know, because they obviously mm-hmm. in their eyes that, nobles and people of worth are often they're the ones that know things so obviously yeah, you can imagine yeah. them run up to, similar to the the keeper of secrets roughing mm. up the elven mages like you know they're like where is he and they're like he's over that way and, like, and they're like come on boys come on girls let's go and then they're sort of like, it's like a mad max thing just like yeah, chariots just yeah. rushing oh, everywhere God, like just mad in dust Slanesh force oh that'd be so good oh yes oh, that'd man. be a good idea yeah 
Um, and then, and then we actually come to like the little timeline thing. And instead of the mm. regular timeline, this is just a million and one awesome story hooks that <laughs> yes. I love each and every, like some of these, some of these relate to older hooks that we've had. Um, mm-hmm. for example, back in the first Shade Spire rule book, there was uh, a mirror found with the vainest soul in existence trapped in it. Huh? Mm-hmm. Um, and in, one of these, uh, a god seeker finds that mirror in the middle of a heap of Dwarden bones because a bunch of Dwarden pulled it out of Shadespire. Um, and he goes, hey, the thing in here is making fun of me. I'm going to break this mirror, breaks the mirror. And all we know is this sets in motion a chain of events that will see Shaish face a new evil. We don't know what. <laughs> I'm thinking it's probably Sigvold somehow, possibly. Who knows? But mm, could be. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. Uh, th- there's so many good things. Um, there's actually... My favorite is the Meat Miser of Audrin. Yeah, I love uh, that one. Yeah, so a guy in Shaman is super, super rich, but he shows it by buying all the meat possible, because gold is everywhere in Shaman. Gold's not money. Beef jerky is money, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it's like he, he loves his own wealth, and he actually worships it, personified in the form of six silver cow statues that sit, stand sentinel outside his meat palace. Um <laughs> And, <laughs> yeah. you know, this excess is so delicious that um, a Keeper of Secrets goes to him, convinces him in disguise that all his livestock is about to, pu- is about to die from a plague, uh, gives, gives him a cure for the plague, which is the alchemy treatment, and he feeds it to all the animals, and he drinks a bunch of it himself, and all his friends drink it, because it's like, yeah, this will protect us. Uh, <laughs> and then the next new moon, uh, the werewolves happen. Uh, all the beasts <laughs> that were fed it become albino beastmen, and all the humans who drank it turn into beasts with human heads, <laughs> which is amazing. Lovely. And I think <laughs> Ghost Eater can stay in stage. I think this might be the basis for my beastmen heavy Slanesh army, because that's so yeah. good. <laughs> gives me an excuse to have so... a keeper of secrets as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, like you need one. <laughs> mm, well... <laughs> Uh, is I think my favourite was the, the the probably the first one actually, which is the oh, yeah. the symmetry one with the sort of mm. you basically got this cult which was known as the the Demian Seers, where they were, they for some reason they were obsessed with symmetry, which was sort mm. of pays in with Sanesh, Obviously, that perfect look is obviously all, you know he says oh, yeah. all about symmetry, mm. isn't it? And and what they would do is this process called Doppelfleisch, which. Mm. Um, Obviously, he's to do a doppelganger and fleisch. I think he's German for flesh from memory. Yeah. Um, where basically they make one side of their body live in metal. So they turn half Necron, basically. Mm. <laughs> um, and well, I think the, the bit that I find really intriguing is, is the fact that obviously the other side rots or mm. s- slash rejects the metal side as well. So it starts, so mm. they're putting like makeup and powder and scents <laughs> over one half of their body because obviously it's, you know, basically turn into a plague bearer one side and obviously it's an <laughs> Afnecron on the other. And basically you get this demon called, uh, I think it's called Lithclaw that basically comes along. Um, cause obviously this, this cult are like, what do we do? We're like, ha- mm. where half of us is falling apart. <laughs> um, and basically influences them to basically start making these sort of, you know, signs in the, um, in the salt flats nearby. Yeah. And and then so they make these signs and then all these hundreds of demoness burst through and and yeah. then end up fighting uh Tyrion's elves basically mm, um yeah. yeah i just thought that was just mm. you know horror story esque uh, really but one last one for me gargan's horde so you know you know the varen spire in the eight points like that spot where archeon hangs out with all his bros <laughs> yep there's a big sleepy giant there <laughs> he is and 
Actually, I feel like this might be a Warcry hook. Because I feel like this should be something in Warcry. Because it's in the right location. And it says, all these acquisitive warrior tribes seek out this enormously thick and fat gargant. Because inside, it's swallowed an empire's worth of jewellery and precious stones. That's why it's so fat, effectively. Uh, and every time it gets sick, because it's eating jagged metal and and jewellery and stuff, it vomits up all this precious wealth, and everyone starts scrabbling for valuables. After which point, you know... Uh, <laughs> presumably it re-eats it. I'm not sure how it's keeping on getting more. Who knows? It's a bit of a mess. <laughs> they're great little. They're great little stories because I mean I know obviously in the battle tomes and codexes we do have these mm. little history sections like of or like a timeline ones. But I think like almost every one of this is really, really yeah. interesting. Yeah, so really if you do good. get a chance to read it, go check it out. Mm. Um, right. So we'll we'll I think now really the main things we have got left to we'll quickly run through is obviously the different the new you know, units. units. Yeah. yeah, we'll sort well, of let's uh, just do the new ones maybe. For time's sake. <laughs> yeah, that's probably a good idea. So, um, which one do you want to go for? Uh, we'll start with Shalaxi, because Shalaxi's yep. awesome. Um, yep. So, Shalaxi is basically the special character Keeper of Secrets, and uh, they are they have essentially been created to fight bloodthirsters and win. And they look <laughs> awesome doing it, because there's this beautiful full-page art piece for them. Um, but uh, effectively, Shalaxi is not only a bloodthirster killer, but also an assassin. Uh, if, she, mm-hmm. if they're sent after someone in particular, they will find them. That weird hairdo isn't hair. It's a whole bunch of antennae and, like, tongues and stuff up there mm. tasting for scents, uh, which is really creepy. Um, and, you know, she they are very synesthetic, so, like, they can see fear. They can hear the sound of people's lives ending in distant realms or that kind of things. Uh, and, you know, usually Shalaxi runs on their own because people, other people just can't keep up. Uh, the 14-inch movement speed is a real thing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, and, you know, one day, it's rumored, Shalaxi will take down a god beast to really prove the supremacy of chaos over everything else. But <laughs> yeah. until then, uh, they are just a real, in, in game terms as well, real fantastic hero killer. Not incredible mm. at anything else. No, but I, lo- I love the fact that Sanash has got a mm. an assassin that, that. But the fact it's a, a greater demon, and mm. the fact it's like right, if someone irritates him, like right, I'll t- I'm gonna I'm gonna send my uh, my hunter on onto you. Yeah. And I, I love the um the little sort of story that came with this bit. The fact mm. that you've got that that uh, Shalaxi uh, like learns how to take on all the other greater demons because obviously mm. even though it's produ- you know they're predominantly a bloodthirster killer, but they're also actually a lord of change and great unclean one killer as well yeah, like she yeah. she like well i say she i should say they um <laughs> they like sort of learn to basically kill the lord of change before the lord of change gets their spell off the fact that mm. they the great unclean one they you know they spear its hearts um mm. i love the fact that there's this rivalry with scarbrand as well yeah, and there's yeah. like this history where they fought before they've had, they've had a couple of fights that have come to a standstill mm. um and at one point, Shalaxi impaled Scarbrand, but he jumped back into lava and, and obviously caused uh, Shalaxi to... Them you know, kill him. 
<laughs> exactly. I love this awesome rivalry you got between these two. And like I said the artwork is mm. oh, just fantastic. Oh, so good. <laughs> All right. Um, um, right. So um, we'll go on to the. I'm one. gonna. Well, the uh, mm. contorted epitome. That's uh, an interesting yeah. one. That's. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, the, I, I love the epitome because I mean, mm. obviously, model wise, it's fantastic. But I love. Yeah. I, I think that this has got one of the best backgrounds as well. The fact you got obviously these. Um, two demonettes on part on top of a, a mirror of absorption. Mm. Basically it's like this, it's like this semi sentinel sort of thing. Cause yeah. it's like a, it's basically a, a crawling mirror on tentacles, mm. which is just <laughs> awesome. But, but basically the background with it is this, this, um, uh, Venaton is this basically this artificer that, that had this thing for making and perfecting the mirrors mm. basically, which obviously Sinesh was, uh, really happy about. It's all, you know, that whole vanity side of things. And basically Venatan mm. became really, wealthy and obviously until he died and based on his deathbed he he basically looked into um you know into his mirror and obviously you know like i said sinesh appreciated the narcissism um mm. and basically trapped him in that temple of twisted mirrors that we spoke about earlier in the um in his palace mm. um so he's trapped and obviously like god god's sake i've just been making mirrors <laughs> all my life i've not done anything wrong um and the follow of the fact that he then builds a mirror to basically try to drain the energy from mm. and power from Sinesh, which is, I mean, a bit ambitious. Let's be, let's mm. be honest. Um, which obviously doesn't work because obviously Sinesh has the ultimate vanity, which, you know, basically rebounds any, anything that this mirror can do. But obviously, you know, Sinesh thinks, you know mm. what, I'm going to turn this into, uh, you know, to my own gain, gets him to basically, you know, build these mirrors and obviously uh, and then effectively i like the one thing i think is really cool the fact that he, he then gives it to demonettes that sort of like almost like as a gift like right okay mm. you two you two are you know connected because obviously demonettes yeah. can you know can either team up or be quite rivalry you know kind yeah. of quite a big yeah. rivalry with each other the fact that obviously these two demonettes that are you know attach these two sort of guardians i love the fact that they've got mm. to sort of uh you know get on and uh and obviously basically as you see in the tabletop that basically this this mirror can reflect like the worst of you know yeah. attacks or yeah. things like that really so very cool i like that a wooden very... sword is better than a runic cannonball to shatter yeah. the piece. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> gotta have a humble weapon yeah <laughs> dink <laughs> yeah <laughs> um and then we have the infernal and rapturuses they've been out for a bit but they're technically new they haven't been in a book before uh <laughs> mm-hmm. yep uh they are actually really interesting because they they are obviously musicians first and foremost but they're also like illusionists and stuff so they usually go in front of a slanesh army and infiltrate cities and they actually appear in an illusion as a muse to an artist who wants to create beauty to keep people's spirits up during the horror of war and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> and, you know, sort of brings the best out of them. They come to them with the dreams to strip them of inhibitions and make them more obsessive. And then gives them just a glimpse of the perfect music they will one day create. And then, you know... At that point, they enter a state of utter bliss. Sometimes they starve to death, attempting to toil at their masterpieces. Sometimes they go insane, unable to sort of uh, really come to grips with what they have to do. Uh, but, she, you know, they're doing this to a ton of musicians at once, basically. And eventually, one is left. And at that point, the Enrapturus comes to them, and they learn that the only way they could, that they can really complete this beautiful work of music is to become the instrument upon which it is played. And the Infernal Enrapturus 
make, they, they, as a willing sacrifice, become the Infernal Lord and Rattress's harp. Like, that guy is there by choice, walking around on his knees with all his back split up into harp strings <laughs> yeah. like that, which is messed up, um, Slanesh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then the interesting thing is the music played from that instrument is, like, really, really physical, like, it actually affects people's nerves, and the mm-hmm. reason the Infernal Rattress has a shooting attack is if she plays the right song, she can make you dance yourself to death. Which is great. <laughs> I just yeah. like the image of like a stormcast uh, adjudicator or something just dropping the bow and doing a jig until they fall over <laughs> all of a sudden. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, they're pretty good. <laughs> it is. Oh, it's a, a vile mm. but awesome looking miniature as oh, well. Yeah. It really is. It's so good. Um. <laughs> uh, and you can take the last new one, which is Celesque. Yeah, Celesque. Um, I, I, I lo- this is the one thing that I wish there was more of in this. Mm. That, that I, I love the the model i love the the background i just wish they they bulked this one out a little bit more because you feel like there could be a bit more to this one but yeah but basically celeste as we know is basically a combination of basically two two entities which is sil lu tongue which is the actual mm. the demon the one that's dancing on yeah. <laughs> on top uh and basically what i thought was really cool is the fact she she got kicked out for basically mm. getting too attached to Harold's inspiration. So basically, obviously, what's been I'm assume this way this this is mentioned is the fact that the, the obviously the the demons you know bring all these mortals, mm. all these playthings in, and she just has this habit of getting a bit too attached to them because obviously that's not mm. what you do. Um, and then obviously as she gets booted out of court because obviously there is this sort of court situation in uh, in uh, Sinesh's palace as such uh, mm. that basically she sees this big war slave called Esk uh, who's you know fighting as a gladiator um, so she you know obviously takes a fancy to him she basically inspires him to become like you know the top gladiator and he obviously he fights his way out of the uh, the gladiatorial pits and then in mm. in turn becomes a demon prince um, and what I think is really this is the bit I think is really cool. The fact that obviously when they, you know, by being a demon priest, pr- demon prince, they then obviously, mm. you know, join the court of all the other uh, Sanashi followers. But obviously the other demons sort of basically shun him or them in yeah. turn, because obviously yeah. in theory, he's a mortal that become a demon prince, whereas they're pure demons as such. So mm. basically they, they sort of reject him and invertly her. So these basically, they, in, in sort of defiance, they basically team up to, you know, basically put a middle finger to the rest of them saying, okay, that's fine. We'll just fight together and we'll just fight everyone. And obviously they, <laughs> they basically, you know, they time their attacks again. That's what, uh, basically happens from a rules perspective in the game as well um they can sort of you know they take their turns to fight and yeah you know they basically fight under this really dark pact which i think is Mm. really really cool i really really like that um what i'd like actually to be honest if they Mm. did a little short novel of them get them sort of that happening i think that'd be really cool you know know, her getting kicked out and Mm. them sort of you know Hey, what are you doing? Oh, I've just been just been <laughs> fighting in the gladiatorial pits. Um, <laughs> come here often, uh, oh, and uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I mean, with the most of the other units from a law perspective, they're not dramatically changed, to be honest. So no. Um, no. Uh, there's not that much, you know. I mean, it's worth reading, but mm. most of the rest of the law from the like, you know, the demonettes and the chariots and stuff, it's pretty much what they've yeah. always been, yeah. to be honest. Um, what you see is what, what you get. Up to now. Yeah, Slanesh is out there somewhere. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I, I, like I said, I think 
this is such a good book. I really do. I think mm. that, you know, from a d- level of detail, um, it's worth a read. I mean, and obviously mm. if you want to know what Sinesh has been up to, then, uh, you know, you can find this out and hopefully we've <laughs> given you a good <laughs> uh, insight of that now. Um, but yeah. no, definitely pick it up. I mean, it's it's quite a small, uh, compared to some of the other battle times, it's quite thinner because obviously it's you know, yeah. a bit more limited. But, you know, the, the, uh, the level of uh, interest that's been sort of, put in this is is really really good to be fair so mm, mm. definitely recommend it absolutely okay so uh right okay well we'll take our last little break now um and then when we come back we're gonna talk about the imperium and what decisions <laughs> it makes <laughs> back soon hello everyone and we're back for the final part of the show our discussion topic um and we decided for this one just throw it out to our discord people and sort of say look anyone got a topic for us to you know maybe i was just being lazy that time and couldn't think of anything off the top of my head um so we uh, threw out there and um red shadow came back to us and said hey i got an idea um so in essence, the question is, should the Imperium do right by the people or what is needed What what is needed? What is needed for hum- humanity to survive? Uh, I mean, basically, I'll, I'll read what he said afterwards to sort of, uh, uh, you know, expand on that. So um, it's based on how the Imperium handles its citizens and the realm as a whole. Most people will agree that the Imperium is not a great place to live. Uh, hellish living conditions, work all the time, could be a abducted into the guard xenos and heretics trying to eat you etc uh now the question is should the imperium do what is right by its citizens or should it do what is needed to ensure the survival of the kingdom uh you've got an orcois on the fringes of the sector you're tasked to get two million guard troops ready in te- in uh, five terran years what do you do do you start up a recruiting drive on a few planets and hope two million people sign up or do you go to a planet planet and grab two million citizens so you can start training immediately because that orc is right on your doorstep you know kind of what is needed to survive versus the right thing to do mm. which is quite an interesting topic so um yeah what's your thoughts on that <laughs> right um so first i feel i should feel i should make things clear Fascism is very bad, and we should never do it. (laughs) But in the realm of the Imperium, fascism is kind of the thing that has allowed the Imperium to survive, at least as far as the fluff has gone. Like The thing is, I've really mixed feelings about this, because I'm anti-conscription and all that in real life. Uh, So I feel that people in the Imperium deserve better. Whether or not that will let them get anything better is the other part of the question. Because, like... It is much more efficient uh, to to grab those two million people and go. You're you're in the guard now. No complaints. Go, <laughs> go to boot camp. Um, and in the Imperium, keeping things efficient is a big problem as it is because mm. the amount of red tape that that the Imperium runs on red tape, literally. Like, yep. The the administratum keep everything going, and they keep everything going with enough paper to probably... Like, I'm assuming they cut down a planet's worth of trees every couple of hours, probably, just to keep that place <laughs> fed with paper, because, of course, they use paper in the 41st millennium. What else would they use? Digital information? <laughs> what? Um, <laughs> like, and, like... But I feel like there there is a middle ground here, almost. Like... You know, Red says, you know, you could start a recruiting drive or you could just grab two million people. 
I think it is well within the Imperium's capabilities, and the Imperium probably already does this in certain places, to just propaganda the hell out of this situation. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, Imperial propaganda is a way of life. It's a, it's a fascistic state. They do Imperial propaganda like no one else does. Mm-hmm. All you need to do is change it up slightly, say, hey, have you ever considered serving in the Astra Militarum? You'll get a pay upgrade. Your family will be cared for. There will be regular food and breaks. Go see, <laughs> go see the rest of the sector. Amazing. You get a trip out off your, off your grubby little hive world. And honestly, people will jump at that like nothing else, probably. Like, mm. for, for every, for every imperial citizen who understands that the life in the guard is not good for you, there are like five young, bright eyed people who go, it's a way off out of my job where I'm literally chained to my desk. like actually was it was um i think it was the eisenhorn novels had like a recruiting drive as part of one of the plots because as either eisenhorn might have been ravener one of the ravener books because like you know the people who get recruited get the grand royal treatment like there were all these new recruits on like a pleasure barge going down a river and you know they they had all their gear. They begin all their gear. This is like their big trip out before they get to go to boot camp. And then obviously a situation <laughs> develops, and you've got this bunch of people with guns who don't know what to do with them. Uh, but like, <clears throat> it it is definitely within the realm of the Imperium to do this, not in the correct way, but in a nicer way. But a lot of yeah. a lot of people in the Imperium just don't because they're assholes. Because that's what got them where they are. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Like, you don't become planetary yeah. governor being nice. <laughs> no, no, it's a harsh world out there. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I, no, I, I, I would, I would echo some of that. I think that, in, in my opinion, there, if you had, if I had to literally, if it was black and white and I had to mm. choose one or the yeah. other, then I would probably aim towards whatever gets the job done. Yeah. I, I think yeah. there's two in, you know, in the, the 40 well now 42nd millennium millennium um depending on what you ask um at the end of the day it's it's a shithole out there on Mm. so many levels and you know from the imperium point of view you've got you know chaos knocking at your door you've got xenos knocking at your door Mm. um you've got yourselves knocking on your door you know i mean (laughs) the the people are on on, you know just because you're in the imperium you've got this collection of uh, enemies against you doesn't mean you're nice to each other either that you know mm. they're corrupt as anyone and i think like you said echoing the fact that that keeping control of this is an absolute nightmare mm. <laughs> at times from a, a bureaucratic point of view from a i said from an administrative point of view mm. um and I, like you said if i think ultimately if they just you know said oh don't worry about it yeah come and come and sign up and you know we'll we'll take you on a holiday i mean that may encourage people you can you can still go things about things in the right way but i think ultimately they have to force the hand Mm. of people because they won't force them for for them to be honest because Mm. as you see in a lot of the novels and a lot of the law um unless you're you know, like you're, you're a space marine or things like that. If you're a normal human that's just on a, a crappy little planet around, you, you're most of the time you're mate, you're trying to make what you can out of life. You know, you, mm. you could be a, a juve in a, in a, you know, in a gang. You could be, you just could be in a, some crappy little administrator. you know role in a in a dark office that never sees the light of day you know i mean you could have a real 
bad time ultimately um mm. because like i said it is grim dark and it's horrible out there most of the time uh unless you've got wealth and even then that yeah. doesn't always guarantee everything mm. um and i so i think that like similar to what you were sort of saying is that they could probably convince people and just say well it's better than this crap <laughs> situation yeah. you're in at the moment um so you know why not and and also you know it's understanding the scale of humanity there is trillion trillions of people mm. out there yeah you know it's not we're, you know we're not thinking like we are in real life now where you've got a planet of you know seven billion people and that's it you've got planet after planet of of humans and humanity and you've you know that's a lot of people to uh to a protect but also it's a lot of people to protect Mm. the ones that need protecting at the end Mm. of the day so uh yeah i think you you have to have this iron-fisted way of dealing with things because uh, you know ultimately humanity's on a thread it has been for you know for years and years and years in this universe mm. and it's not getting any better well apart from obviously you could argue with obviously primaris marines coming in to help but then you've got the whole great rift situation at the moment which is not help things at all yeah. <laughs> you know so so uh, you know at the end of the day things are and and without sounding very negative things are only going to get worse really you know, Zen- mm-hmm. at the end of the day, like if you look at the Xenos races, they could really, one of them can become even more powerful. What happens if the Tyranids turn up even more out of somewhere? What happens <laughs> if they find a Xenos race that they haven't even discovered yet mm. and that comes along and wants to kick everyone's ass? It's what not, happens you know, if the, the cows start offering dental. Yeah. well I, I dread to think i don't I, I don't even want to think about that i want to sleep tonight uh, <laughs> you know if any of these things happen it's not going to realistically it's not going to get any better mm. so you know if you don't if you made if you make things nicey nicey in the imperium that, you're doomed i mean you you sort of already are doomed anyway because well, i think that yeah. you know because because i think ultimately if you know if you i know we've sort of touched upon this before but if you sort of fast forwarded it to you know the 61st millennium or the mm. 81st millennium and just start doing that i think humanity would slowly keep getting worse because yeah. it's or there's always more no threat out exist. there <laughs> or that exactly and so they're already like i said on their last legs so to speak not literally but they're you know in the in the matter of the scheme of things they are so i think that if you know if they don't get themselves together and sort of think look you know stop caring about your you know your situation do what's Mm. good for the greater good and not the tau greater good um (laughs) and you you know you you've that gives you a small chance of humanity surviving so Mm. uh no i'm totally in favor of um you know the powers that be kicking people up the ass and making them do things to uh, protect the Imperium, I In think. In the very specific setting of the 41st millennium. <laughs> of course, yeah. That is not my general opinion of life. <laughs> that is the little asterisk. Yeah, exactly. 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 You know, so that, you know, based on the 40, you know, on the, uh, the 40k universe, that is how I believe you know, I don't think they've got a choice in it. But, yeah. you know, people yeah. may think different. And obviously, anyone listening may think, no, no, they could do yeah. things in a different way. So, and if, uh, if you want to tell us uh, your opinion on that, where can you go, Matthew? 
you can go on this wonderful website called twitter.com where many people reside and you can go and find us at realm and ruin and uh go hit us up on there see i've said hit up again mm, on this episode mm, yeah um because i'm down with the cool people um and uh if you can also find us on uh like i said on facebook as well at uh, facebook.com slash realm and ruin or as i said earlier you can obviously find us on our website as well and contact us that way um, yeah. but if you want to can contact us on a personal level cameron where can people find yourself uh you can also find me on twitter at night underscore twitten uh that's night without a k uh where you'll find me tweeting about the decline of my society and also <laughs> hey everyone it's pride month yay have yeah. fun have fun out there my fellow queers have a good time um, <laughs> and, and you yourself, Matthew, where can you do <laughs> You can find me, uh, also on Twitter at NinjaBadger7. Um, I need, as always, I keep saying it, I need to be more active on there, but you know, time and yeah. lack of it. Yeah, it's always that way. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But, uh, we hope you've enjoyed this episode. Uh, episode 29 we got the big the big 30 next show um mm. hopefully the plan is like I, I think i mentioned last episode mm. Stephen rhodes will be joining us next show oh. to join us and sort of co-host it with us uh, mm. that's reminding me i must get in contact with him <laughs> this weekend <laughs> uh, to arrange that uh, but it'll be a good show regardless um yeah. so we'll catch you on the next one bye Ta-ra.